Ladies, gentlemen, everyone listening, welcome into episode 53 of the Carlos Correa Show, where we give updates on Carlos Correa and nothing else but that Carlos Correa. How about those Norwegian motherfuckers that just lost in football, baby? Let's go, G-Man! I'm Tom Bauer, and he's Tony Puglisi. This is the Diamond Duo Podcast. <laughs> Brought to you by a very excited uh, Giants fan, as you could tell, in Carlos Correa Theater. Two of them, to be exact. Tony's one dying the, on the other the, side, and I probably yeah, just woke up somebody in my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were choking to death. <laughs> That's a hell of an intro. I thought you were just going Correa because you said before, like, oh, should I go Giants or should I go baseball? And I said, oh, how about Craig? You're like, oh, I got it. Didn't think you'd go that far. You just screwed yourself. You're going to have to censor like five things right at the front of the episode. Listen, I'll take pleasure in doing that. That's perfectly fine. Maybe I'll insert some like Norwegian like Viking music in there too when I'm talking about that. <laughs> hey, I'll send you something Sabaton. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you won't get copywritten. Maybe. Definitely know. not. Hopefully that, not. It works differently in Sweden, right? Yeah. If we could blast Sabaton through the Bronx and be A-OK <laughs> by the end of it, I think we can get away with it for 10 seconds on the podcast. Dude, I would kill to drive one of those, like, buses during, like, a World Series parade with a bunch of dudes on the roof blasting Swedish pagans. That sounds amazing. I don't even know if you know that song, but it's called Swedish Pagans. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a song. I also just realized every time I scream... Like, I progressively get closer to my microphone as I do it, so it's just oh, going to yeah. sound so distorted. I'm going to love listening back to it and being like, oh, that sounds really scrunchy. That's great. <laughs> uh, but, uh, crunchy, I think I meant to say, not scrunchy. That's something you put in hair, like, scrunchy. you're little or something, but whatever. Uh, God damn it, dude. <laughs> Real talk, though. That Giants game. Hell of a game. First Giants game I watched through and through all season, and they played great. Minnesota. Oh my god, they played like... I mean, they played good, to be fair. They, they did not play that bad. Frauds. Fraudulent 13-win team. Frauds. <laughs> I don't know why you would go on for basically a screen pass on a fourth and eight. Air that shit out, cousins. God damn. I don't know anything about football, and I know that. You gotta get it over the line. <laughs> god damn. Uh, first Giants playoff win since their Super Bowl season in 2011, and it brought a, such a big smile to my face. And it that still true? is now that I'm talking about it. I thought, wow, I did not think it was that far. I knew they made the playoffs somewhere in the 2010s, but Jesus. Fake Giants fan, everyone. Can you tell? Join us when we start our football podcast. Uh, never. The Diamond Gridiron. The, the Giddy Gridiron. That's bad. I'm gonna... No. The, the Giddy take, Gridiron. Take, no, keep going. That's a great name. No, take take this out of the episode, even though I know you're gonna keep it in. Of course I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> anyway, there's baseball to talk about. And specifically, the gentleman you mentioned earlier. God damn it. You know what? Disclaimer number one. We're recording on Sunday, January the 15th. Happy 2023, everybody. First time we're recording in the new year. Uh, first episode released in the new, and the, bleh, in the new year was the last one. My English is still not great. That was not one of my New Year's resolutions. So yeah, anything that happens after the 15th and before whenever this episode comes out, probably Wednesday, Thursday, or worst case Friday, will not be covered because we recorded already. And unlike the Carlos Correa saga, we don't wish to record again. Um... <laughs> Either way, final disclaimer before we actually talk about baseball on this baseball yes. podcast and before I make myself sound like more of an idiot with football, follow us on social media. We are at Pod on Twitter, The Dimadua Podcast on Instagram. Get out there. Follow us on social. And oh, shit. Yes. Go on. I know where you're going with this. 
We forgot something, didn't we? Oh, we most certainly did. So, about two weeks ago, we had a little poll that we uh, released like a week after our episode saying who had the better team of the year. Now, I could go through all of the results, but I don't even need to do that because I already know the winner and the result anyway. I'd like to thank the Academy and all my loving vote voters yeah voters that's the word tom continue i can't english thank you you can't english but you also can't win because your boy thomas j bauer had the team of the year thank you everybody i'd love to thank the academy the person who got me this soda that i'm sipping even (laughs) though it was myself it's definitely not soda but i i don't want to endorse drinking on the podcast i'd like to thank i guess i technically am this is definitely a celebratory soda that i'm uh, drinking right now so here's to all of you who definitely know that i am a much better team builder than tony puglisi bottoms up bitches you know what, my voters, don't you worry. Next time, I won't forget that Mike Trout exists. I won't forget about him because he wasn't a qualified hitter last year. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on Fangraphs. It was it was totally not my fault. Yeah, it, I, I'm blaming Fangraphs. It was, it was their fault. It was your fault. <laughs> it was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, but still. I need, I need an excuse. Yeah, like that would have saved you. <laughs> sure. Well, we'll talk in April. We'll talk about, we'll talk then. Or we'll do another not in the Hall of Fame team. Are you sure you don't want to do a team like the teams of the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, when that happens? That would be kind of cool, actually. We're t- like an all-American team and all, I mean. Well, you know, they kind of already have that dumbass. That's why they well, have no, the national teams to begin sh- with. Stutterbuka, I was thinking about all-time, like all-time <laughs> American team, all-time Dominican team. I mean, we could do that, or we could just take the best players from the tournament. I love the idea. You thought I meant like, yeah, let's build the, be- let's build Team America. And you chime in like, yeah, all right. They already built Team America. <laughs> America, yeah, coming to save the month and day, yeah. I need a sound clip of that. I, I need, we need that to be a drop for when the World Baseball Classic actually happens and we have our WBC-centric episode. Watch America oh. somehow get bounced in the first round and we won't even get to use it. Oh, don't you worry. That'll already be a drop. You don't worry about that. Oh, we'll, we'll have that fantastic. Nice I'm already planning out how I'm already going to edit it within my head, literally 30 seconds after I said it. Tom uh, basically already has an eagle screech PNG on his on his computer, just ready to go. Not PNG, MP3, waiting to go. I also have the sensor ready to go because I have to blurb out a certain word. Actually, two <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably more than one. Yeah, probably more than one. Probably more than 50 out of this entire episode, but... I don't really care about that. Speaking of which, we're done with the disclaimers. Now we can actually move in and talk about actual baseball that's happened over the winter, not just me and Tony BSing. Let's actually get into some baseball news, because guess what, folks? The hot stove don't go cold yet. Or it hasn't gone cold yet. That's bad English, but whatever. So, yeah, we don't have a lot of deals. The deals that we're going to be talking about now on a weekly, or I guess a bi-weekly basis, are probably going to be less and less as we get closer to spring training. But I will say all of the players, at least the ones that we wrote down, have some sort of significance that they're they were actually notable at some rate. Yes, I'm looking at you, Donnie Sands, uh now a Detroit Tigers legend. <laughs> so, as per usual, I'll start with a few, then Tony will go, and then I will go, Tony will go, and we'll figure it out from there. So without looking, I know we have ten transactions. <laughs> 
that we have to do. And no, Tony may or may not have just told me that. And I may have cut to another section of audio where I'm talking right now, but I'm taking full credit for it. Yeah, definitely not. Why would Tony ever do that? He wouldn't help me out. Any rate. (laughs) (laughs) Just staring into Discord. He's not even looking. (laughs) (laughs) We're just like staring at each other like, hmm. Western standoff in the middle of the episode and we go back to edit it. You're like, wait, why is there like two minutes of silence? (laughs) We. Yeah, we just have, like, a Mexican standoff or something, and then we, like, wait for each other to, like, draw ten steps and then draw a gun or something like that. Editor Tom, put the good, the mad, the ugly theme in here. We won't get copyright uh, stricken for that at all. I already have to put Team America, World Police, and um, (laughs) I feel like another song already into this episode, so I'm not gonna do that. Actually, yeah, I do, because I have to add Sabatone to the beginning of the episode, too, now, so (laughs) no, I'm not gonna add that. You don't have to add Sabatone. We we, we could sing it, if anything. (laughs) Yeah, because that'll go well. I'm just going to move on to the transaction tracker before we go off on another song tangent. Let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Hey, we actually did a section of our episode on them last week, and they get mentioned again this week because former AL MVP favorite Evan Longoria has signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks for one year, $4 million. A long way from his heydays back in Tampa Bay, but you know what? He's at the end of career, and hopefully he'll be able to make a difference out in Arizona. Speaking of third baseman, Raphael Dev, wait, Boston paid someone? Or how about this? Tony spelled Raphael wrong on the rundown. It's not P-H-A-E-L. It's just an F instead of the P oh. and the H. Well, I'm Italian. I I have a Renaissance brain. Sue me. Or a Ninja, or a ninja Turtle brain. You decide. What is, what's so Italian about the Ninja Turtles? Well, I'm saying Raphael. It's, it's, he's a Renaissance painter, and he's a Ninja uh, Turtle. Oh. Uncultured swine. Thanks. Raphael Devers <laughs> got paid, and Boston actually paid someone. Hooray! Hyam Bloom actually did something, except he looks still terrible, especially because Trevor Story got surgery, and he's going to be out probably for like four or five months. Uh, any rate, Raphael Devers got 11 years and $331 million dollars. And now, folks, we've got a huge trade between the Tigers and the Phillies. Uh, going to Philly is Gregory Soto, former All-Star closer for the Tigers. He may have been an All-Star this season. And also Cody Clemens, the son of Roger Clemens, is going to Philly. And going to Detroit are three stud superstars. I mean, Scott Harris knows exactly what he's doing with Nick Matone, Matt Vierling, and Donnie Sands, the aforementioned donnie sands after all they're gonna make a difference they're gonna be the four five six hitters in the detroit tigers lineup this year and for many years in the future after all they did just shorten their fences obviously for these three guys um maybe not miguel cabrera playing his last season but whatever uh so yeah that trade happened and spoiler alert the phillies won it by far AJ Pollock, he went to the Mariners for one year at $7 million, shores up their, I was going to say their offensive gaps, I meant to say their outfielding gaps, uh, even though they got Teoscar Hernandez recently a few episodes ago, AJ Pollock for that price range, it's a pretty solid deal. And my final deal is Brandon Bell going to Toronto for one year at $9.3 million. Honestly, I thought he would have finished his career in San Francisco, if you asked me, but he is going to be making decent bank for what he can produce on the field. 
and the Blue Jays get a little more lefty, a little more balanced lefty-righty. I kind of like that deal. My first deal is actually a pretty similar one. Instead of one year 9.3 mil, we're looking at one year 8.5 mil for Johnny Cueto, and he's taking that money to go to Miami and pitch for the Marlins. Definitely a little bit of wiggle room there for the Marlins to maybe ship off one of their younger arms, and Cueto rounds it out that pretty good rotation, all things considered. But they still can't hit, so yeah. Next up, <laughs> Carlos Crow Boy. He's getting featured on a f***ing Diamond Duo episode again. We've talked about him for either a month or two in a row at this rate because we've gone bi-weekly. I'm pretty sure it's been a at least one whole month in a row. I know it's at least Honestly. four episodes, so it might be two months in a row. We've talked about Carlos Correa at least once in a f***ing episode, and I hate it. <laughs> This is more than I've ever wanted to talk about Correa, and we're going to have to circle back because we have to acknowledge the absurdity of this. He went back to the Twins. I never said that. He's a twin again, and he's there for six years, 200 million. Yes, I said 200 million. Down from the, what, 315 he got from the Mets? We'll go through the exact measurements of how much he signed for in this offseason in a bit. I need to get through the rest of my deals, but holy Jesus, this is a free agent saga for the ages, and I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in a hilarious, why is this even happening sort of way. God damn, let me just round out my deals because I got three quick ones right here. Nelson Cruz went to the Padres for a year. Andrew McCutcheon is heading back home to Pittsburgh. I don't think he's actually from Pittsburgh, but obviously started his career and won an MVP and was a multi-time All-Star with the Pirates. Also won a one-year deal. I believe he had offers from other teams like the Mets, but the Pirates guaranteed him more playing time, plus the added benefit of, hey, come on home, it'll be a fun little marketing campaign for us. And Kutch said, okay. Well, my last deal is honestly a pretty good one. The Cubs for as much as we make fun of them, are quietly having a decent offseason, and they just made what I believe to be one of, if not their best moves so far. They just snagged Trey Mancini for two years with an opt-out after the first year. You know, not the best hitter out there. He actually slumped quite hard in the second half, but if he could turn it on even a little bit more, Cubs don't have to worry about that DH spot. Trey Mancini will anchor that all year. So that is that, and that's actually all the transactions. Woo! A little quicker this time, like Tom kind of implied. Fewer transactions as the offseason goes on, but we still get the occasional, you know, big one here and there. Uh, Tom, I'm looking up and down, and I see a two or three. Two or three. I feel like we're going to be looking at the same two or three. Mm. I feel like we want to save our good buddy Carlos, you know, the, the f***ing mascot of the show at this point, for last. Uh, what would you like to talk about first? Would you like to talk about Rafael Devers? Yeah, I would like to talk about Rafael Devers. As I alluded to, he got 11 years at $331 million by the by the Boston Red Sox. I was about to curse, but I realized I didn't need it to curse in that f***ing sentence. I'm amazing. You didn't <laughs> need it to curse in that f***ing sentence. So much was wrong with that sentence, <laughs> I needed to jump in. <laughs> That's the irony of my poor English. My poorly executed English language. I, I don't do English well. Any rate, uh, Raphael Devers. He did actually get paid. Boston actually locked down the superstar. Yay! Applause! Round of applause for Boston and High and Bloom. Now, why couldn't they, they do this for, like, their infinitely better players, such as, hmm, Mookie Betts? When he was around, like, Heim Bloom literally could have made a fantastic impression of coming into Boston by signing up Mookie Betts. But no. 
He wanted Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs and some other scrub, but that's not on the team anymore. Connor Wong. Yeah, Connor Wong. Yeah, he's there still you on go. the team, but he's in AAA. Yeah, well, he doesn't count. He's not notable. <laughs> Watch him actually like kick the shit out of the Yankees this year, but forget I said that. Now they could have also re-signed Xander Bogarts, but they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sign the less talented Trevor Story, the more injury-prone Trevor Story, instead of our silver slugger potential gold glove shortstop that we have in Xander Bogarts because, I don't know, we want Trevor Story because maybe he'll be less money. And it turns out that they were probably right about that, because Trevor Story, I think, got like a hundred and some odd million, and, well, Xander Bogats got a lot more than that. So that's that. But still, a failed move on my part that I see for High and Bloom. But at least they redeemed themselves a little bit for Raffi Devers. Now the question is, where do they go from here, Tony? I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if there's much more they have to do. I'm not saying that by means of like, oh, they're set, they're going to be a good team this year. I personally still think they're the favorites to finish dead last in this division, unless some guys in the rotation and the bullpen really step up. Like, they need Kenley to pitch like he's in LA again. They need Brian Bayo to take the big step and earn some Rookie of the Year votes. I mean, hell, even outside of the pitching staff, if Tristan Cassis starts mashing the hell out of the baseball at first base. That's a big hole from last year. That is no longer a hole. You remember Bobby Dahlbeck? Yeah, he couldn't get it done and is probably on his way out of town. So if Cassis hits, if Justin Turner stays healthy, well, not stays healthy more so, if he keeps up, because if you remember, Tom, Justin Turner last year was not very good to start the year, was amazing in the second half. If he could kind of replicate that second half in a mitigated DH type role, the Red Sox should be okay. But my biggest worry about them right now is the fact that Trevor Story did have surgery. You alluded to that earlier. You mentioned that he's injury prone. And we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for. So what's that middle infield going to look like now? Like, I'm looking at the Red Sox depth chart right now. And they have Christian Arroyo as their top option at second. And their top option at shortstop is Kike Hernandez. And I'd also like to point out. Their top option in center field is also Kike Hernandez. So <laughs> I like Kike. He's a decent depth guy, and he could especially turn it on in the playoffs. But I don't know. You either need to rely on Jared Duran to turn a corner, which, frankly, I don't know is, is going to happen. He's had a couple chances in the bigs, and he really can't stay consistent, especially in the field. Guy is a butcher in center field. All of their outfield prospects and even their hitting prospects, like I'd love to be able to say, oh, bring up Marcelo Mayer. He's way too young. He's way too raw. He can't come up yet. Even Nick York, one of their better prospects, who I believe can play second base, still a little mm -hmm. too raw. I think he's about a year or two out. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what to think of the Red Sox right now. I like that they got Devers. I honestly really like that contract. Just because what he's done in his career so far, I actually don't think he's hit his peak yet. Like Every single year, he's in like the top, not like the 95th percentile of hard hit rate, launch angle, all the hitting stats you want. And especially with the shift going away next year, you know, Rafi's not incapable of slapping the ball the opposite way, but it'll definitely help him. He's definitely more so a pull hitter than anything. I think Rafi goes up from here. And in a few years, if he does actually get better, which I am counting on, that contract's going to look like a steal because it is one of the richer ones in baseball, but it, it isn't the richest one. I think he's actually making less than Bogarts right now, which I find really f***ing funny. Like, Bogarts is on the wrong side of 30 and outpacing him in the financial department, and Devers, you could even argue, isn't in his prime yet. 
In that respect, I'll give credit to Bloom. Probably the only time you'll hear me say that, but I don't know, Boston. Something's got to give. Something has to click in order for you to be competitive this year because the Yankees made their moves, the Blue Jays are looking hot, and you can never count out the Rays, and even the Orioles are starting to look a little legitimate. So you got to do something here. You got to do something, particularly in the outfield and in the middle infield. Yeah, honestly, I think we've seen just about the best that we're going to get out of Rafi Devers offensively. Because defensively, he's still a little bit of a liability. He's all right, he's average, but maybe a little bit below average. So if he steps that up, that value will be infinitely better. Not saying that defense is going to make $331 million worth of your money back, although I guess you could argue that the Cubs got that out of Jason Hayward when they signed him back in, like, 2016. But, I mean, Rafi Devers, we've already seen him hit 38 home runs. He's hit for 311 as his highest batting average. Honestly, that could be a little bit higher. I don't know if he'll ever be a 40 home run guy. He's got the stuff. He definitely has the potential. He's got that name recognition, and now he's got his platoon there in Boston for years to come. I just think... There's not much higher that you can expect out of Rafi Devers. And if he's not surrounded by the best talent, he'll either need to step up and try and give more, or ultimately his numbers might suffer a little bit, at least maybe in terms of like runs and RBIs and stuff like that, which I guess you can say is meaningless to a degree if his offense around him can't pick him up. I do think that Rafi Devers has kind of hit that point of we know what he's going to be, He's not going to be that much better. He's just four and a half out of five star player in my books that maybe he can turn out to be a little bit better. He'll still be worth the money as long as he stays healthy and he's had a good track record. So that's great. I just don't know how much more we're going to get out of him. It really depends on how Boston's going to build this team. And you mentioned Marcelo Meyer. I'm looking at SoxProspects.com right now. He is expected to arrive supposedly in late 2024. He's only 19 right now. Honestly, I could see him possibly opening day of 2024 if this team is desperate enough or if they somehow miraculously win like 90 games next season. Maybe they say, you know what, we're going to have that spark going into the beginning of the year or we're going to wait like 30 days because service time manipulation. Woo. Tristan Casas, he should be on the team this year. Remember, they got rid of Eric Hosmer. They still have Bobby Dahlbeck, but (laughs) it's Bobby Dahlbeck. Come on now. Dude can't f***ing feel the ball, and he's not that great at hitting, at least at the major league level, yet. You mentioned Nick York. He's actually listed as a second baseman, but he's still another year away. Brian Mata. Now, I'm just thinking pitching as well. He's expected possibly in the middle of this year. He's probably their best pitching prospect. Actually, scratch that. He is their best pitching prospect. Um, One of three in their top 10. The point is they really need to develop this farm system if they have any chance. And I think that's the point Tony and I are trying to reiterate. Because the way High and Bloom is spending, or rather not spending, concerns me of what he'll actually acquire at the major league level. I think he try- he's trying to build up the rays of the Northeast. And I don't know if he's necessarily doing the greatest job. Granted, he's at least got a top 10 prospect in Marcelo Meyer. So at least he's got that to go on. But as far as where they go from here, it's going to be a bit sketchy. I think they'll be middle of the road unless they hit a streak of good luck. Otherwise, I think Bloom could be done with Boston in two years' time. We'll definitely have to see how that plays out. I mean, he signed for 11 years, so if they don't win next year, it's not like, oh my god, you wasted a year of Rafi's prime. He's still got 10 more. Well, 
yeah. not 10 more years of his prime, 10 more years of his contract. They'll have time for the prospects to come up and build around him. I just don't think next year is going to be the one where Sox fans are going to be hoping that the team breaks out. You know, wait till the Chris Sale contract gets off the books. Wait till, you know, those young prospects we talked about come up and take over. And then hopefully, you know, Alex Cora will still be the manager. He, they love him up there. They, uh, hopefully they'll get another chance to, uh, you know, go for it. I think the team could be really good in a few years. I don't want to think about that as a Yankees fan, but as an unbiased baseball fan, <laughs> I think the Red Sox future is better than most people think, but the present, más o menos. We'll see. Mm. I'm I'm not high on it as long as Hyam Bloom fails to keep You're making not high moves. on it. What did I say? Did I screw up his name? No, no, no. I'm making a bad pun. I said you're not Haim on it. Oh, shut the hell up. <laughs> as long as Haim Bloom doesn't make those necessary adjustments at the major league level, and not necessarily saying he's had the teams to necessarily do it, although that's more self-infliction than anything else, then there's no hope. I'm sorry. Like, I don't see him as the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that people made him out to be, at least at this rate. He's not proven anywhere near that level of expertise that people expected out of him. So it, I think their future is murky at best right now. I like what you said. I'll add this really quick and then we'll move on to our next transaction. I like what you said that he's bringing almost a Tampa Bay approach to Boston, which, yeah, that's where he came from and that's where he he was at his most successful. But he almost seems a bit too inflexible, like... I get, like, taking the expertise of what you know into your new role and your new position, but I feel like it's almost inhibiting him at this point from adapting and seeing what the team actually needs. You know, you don't need to abide by shoestring budgets and flipping players and prospects the moment it comes time to pay them. Like With Bogarts, I get it. N not paying him that much is honestly probably a good thing for Boston. But at the same time, there needs to be a shift soon, because I don't think Haim gets fired this year unless he just unless they finish with like 90 losses and they have a completely wash a complete wash of a season like i think ownership has faith in him you know he traded mookie which is something they wanted him to do he re-upping the farm system you could say they're under the luxury tax maybe i'll be surprised but i don't see them letting go of heim bloom anytime soon maybe in like a year or two we'll see that philosophy change but for the time being, I'm not sure. You actually just made a good point that I forgot to bring up. John Henry seems to be a cheap ass, and he really shouldn't be, given the franchise that mm -hmm. he has and the assets that he's got. Because I'm pretty sure, like, if he's part of that Fenway Sports Group, they've got, like, assets out in England in the Premier League. They own the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm pretty sure. They, yep. they got money off the wazoo, and I'm not saying they don't have to spend all that money in Boston, necessarily, but... Why are you being a cheap ass? Like, literally. You can go out and compete. Like, I know some teams have these years where you just have to lay low. But Boston's done a lot of laying low. At least from, like, 2010 till now. Granted, they've also won two World Series in those times. One of which was pure luck, if you ask me. 2013. <laughs> it was pure luck, if you ask me. Because the next year, remember? They sucked ass. 2018? They actually had a fantastic manager in Alex Cora, and they had a really good core to go around, and they performed above what they were expected to. So, that's that. Just saying, they've had a lot of lulls in the past 10 years, and maybe investing in your team could possibly change that. Maybe, maybe, most likely. I mean, look at the Mets. But that's a discussion for a different topic. Actually, you know what? It kind of ties into our next topic. Yeah, why not? Mets. And their pockets. I mean, unless you had anything else to add about the Red Sox, but I pretty much ran the well dry. 
at least from one from my end. Let's talk about the Mets, uh, and more more specifically, not not the Mets in particular, but the man who just jumped ship from Steve Cohen's Mets and jumped right back <laughs> onto the little dinghy that he was sailing to begin with, Carlos Correa. Tom, I don't think I exaggerate when I say <laughs> this is the craziest, most nonsensical, dumbest free agency saga I've ever seen in my life. Like, I've seen annoying free agency campaigns, like with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado not, not signing until, like, spring training of 2019. I've seen crazy free agent signings, I'm thinking, like... At the 2019 offseason when Garrett Cole went to the Yankees and Anthony Rendon went to the Angels. This is just stupid. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen a free agent go in these steps that Carlos Correa is going down. For those of you who don't remember, I will recap his trek through 10% of Major League Baseball's teams. And then, Tom, I'll happily <laughs> throw it to you. I want to hear your take on this. If you lovely folks don't remember, Correa signed with the San Francisco Giants for 13 years. 350 million, which if you remember, I'd like to point out, I was hesitant about this contract and didn't think it'd be worth it. Apparently, actually, wait, no, I think we cut that part out because Correa signed. I, I think when we released that, Correa went to the f***ing Mets, so you didn't yeah, hear that he did. part. But yeah, I want the record to know, I was skeptical about that contract in the recording that we scrapped. I will confirm, Tony was skeptical. Just for the record, I will be honest about that one. First time for everything. Even Tom's on my side for this one. Eh, not for much. Keep going. Apparently the Giants management agreed with me because they cut him loose when he didn't pass his physical. They were worried about his ankle that he may have hurt uh, in the tail end of last season and that he might need to get it surgically repaired and they weren't sure if a shortstop who was known for his reaction at the position and ability to get to any ball would be hampered by a bum ankle late into a 13-year contract i.e. when the man's in his f***ing 40s. So, they rescinded the contract. And like a hawk in the night, then the New York Mets came in and swept him up at just a hair less, at $315 million. It's crazy that I'm thinking $35 million is a hair, but that's baseball now. And like Groundhog Day, the Mets find the exact same thing. And th there's a specific thing I'm going to mention that's actually come up recently that I'll touch upon later, but the Mets went to the same doctor that the Giants consulted, and the Giants, excuse me, this doctor told them the same thing, because he's a doctor. He said, hey, yeah, I looked at him, and his ankle seemed suspect to me. The Mets were kind of wishy-washy, and then Steve Cohen said, it was reported that Steve Cohen was frustrated at Correa's inability to compromise, and said, no, I just want this deal. The Mets wanted to lower it, he said no. Then the Mets pulled out, which has now incentivized the Minnesota Twins to go back in, and get their shortstop back. Yet yeah, the team that Correa signed with last offseason, where we all thought it would just be a one and done, like at the end of his career, we'd say, hey, you remember that weird year Correa played for the Twins? Yeah, no, he's going to be there six more years now. Because his <laughs> ankle couldn't give way. Oh my god, I would, I would pay to be a fly on the wall for Correa's physical in Minnesota. Because Tom, I don't know if you remember, but they cleared him. Like that. <laughs> same day, like an hour later, I think Heyman tweeted out that, oh, Correa passed his physical. It's done. I was at work. I'm like, what? Wait, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, the physical that day was the honor system, probably. The doctor just said, your ankle feels fine, right? Wink. Oh, it sure does. Correa <laughs> says, wink. Okay. Wink, goes the doctor. And that's it. 
that's the honor system. Also, they kind of had him for a year, so they kind of knew what they were getting into, I feel like. But did you have anything else that you wanted to add to this timeline, by the way, before I go on? Uh, you can take it from here. I have other points that I want to add, but I don't want to hog, you know, the whole Carlos Correa spotlight, because trust me, there's a ton we could dissect about this, and I, I want to yeah. hear what you say. I want to hear what you think. Here's my initial thoughts to this deal. Karma is a $200, no, $200 million bitch. <laughs> <sighs> Some things happen to people because they do terrible things. I'm not saying Carlos Correa is a terrible person. I've never met him before. I'm not going to associate him with being a terrible person, even though I've probably already said that many times on the podcast before. I'll give him some defense here. Just for the hell of it. But it's okay. I'm about to pull the rug on that real quickly. Because I remember in his opening press conference, not the one that he had in San Francisco, because that one got canceled literally literally hours before that happened. The one in Minnesota where he's like, yeah, I'm so happy to be a twin. I'm so happy to be a part of this championship and blah, 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 blah. Dude, <laughs> they're like your third choice. You're not happy to be there. Are you kidding me? You're just happy that team is willing to pay you over $200 million. Actually, $200 million to be exact. Like, they clearly weren't your number one team. Don't act like you're going to say that in the press conference. Like, this is your plan all along to lose a ton of money to sign for a ridiculous number and a ridiculous amount of years combined, which I will let Tony take because he wrote it in the rundown ever so graciously. They were not your number one team. Get the hell out of here. I'm actually happy that the Mets kind of did this because, one, I don't have to see Correa's bitch ass in New York anymore, and I don't have to report on him on a daily basis. But two, he also gets to rot in the AL Central's sewers for hopefully the next six to eight years or something like that. Because it's the Twins. When's the last time they've won a playoff game? I can't think of it because I don't know if it's even happened in my <laughs> lifetime. Actually, it's happened in my lifetime technically, but not since like 2002. And that technically doesn't count because I don't remember when 2002 was. Like, come on. Now, I don't. My brain was probably the size of this soda can that i'm gonna drink out of right now bottoms up definitely a soda can and you know what that's probably what carlos correa was pounding a lot of when his second physical failed <laughs> i <laughs> i love the fact that in all of this like at least when he went from the mets to the twins mets twitter at least from what i saw was split down the middle i saw half of the fan base saying what the f why is it? Why didn't we sign Correa? Why didn't we just meet him where he wanted? And the other half said, calm the hell down. He's an injury risk, probably a diva and a liability. If he breaks down, do you want Bobby Bonilla 2.0? Which I'm honestly leaning more to that latter side. Like, I am fully on board with Mets fans being okay with not signing him. And if I was a Mets fan, I'd probably be okay with it too. If only because exactly what i just said i feel like his injury history is a little too suspect for a what did the mets want to give him 13 years as well or was it 11 i believe it was 13 as well but here's the thing that i heard about his ankle and then i will let you go on i was mm -hmm. listening to the michael k show and michael had information that he had from sources that this isn't going to be for verbatim so maybe i have something wrong with what i'm about to say but he essentially heard from his sources that one more like one bad blow to his ankle and it's gone like that's how serious it is like one bad like slip or something like that one bad injury that ankle is shot it ain't coming back that's why the giants and the mets balked 
and rightfully so. And now, that makes the Giants look smarter, and now I can't really clown on the Giants, because that was going to be their free agent if they didn't get Aaron Judge, and they found something wrong. And you know what? They said, you know what? We're going to conserve our money. We're going to be a little bit smart about this. And then the Mets did the same thing. Now, Steve Cohen made a mistake of going public with it and doing all that. Like, the owners probably aren't happy about that, but who gives a He's in Minnesota now, so... At the end of the day, nothing really happens about that. But anyway, I just wanted to make the bum ankle comment, and I and now I will let you go on. Actually, I had no idea it was that serious. If that's actually true, then god damn! If imagine if something happens like year one of that contract with Minnesota, I'm not manifesting that. Don't get me wrong; that's mm-hmm. that'd be horrible. God damn! If that happened in year one of a 13 year contract. Mother of God, the way the Mets fan base would have turned on Steve Cohen, would have turned on this management group, even though yeah. it wasn't really their they, fault. It would, well, wouldn't have been their fault. <laughs> yeah, they, they also said, from what I heard, like in three or four years, either way, that ankle would not be in very good shape. Like, it, it's only a matter of time. Also, props to the Mets for, they, they released a statement after Correa signed with uh, Minnesota. It was just basically like, we couldn't come to an agreement with Carlos. We wish him nothing but the best. It was like two sentences. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, I was going to say it's, I almost thought it was petty at first, but at the same time, it's almost like, you know, a jealous ex saying like, you know, we didn't want you anyway. It's fine. Go, go be with Minnesota. Go win 70 games. Go hit with Joey Gallo, which by the way, I can't wait for the f***ing Carlos Correa and Joey Gallo revenge tour when the Twins play the Yankees this year. I don't think they play them at Yankee Stadium. I'm actually not sure if they do. But if they do, I can't wait for the one game where Correa and Gallo go back-to-back for, like, game-tying and go-ahead home runs. Oh, and if we're giving props, props to the guy, the Mets fan dad, who broke his wrist trying to run down the stairs to tell his kids that the Mets got Correa. Ooh, that's, that's, you're not going to want to tell that story now, buddy. I'm so sorry. That might be worse than getting your kid a Correa Christmas-like jersey of, like, him on the Giants or the Mets or something. That's probably worse, because that one actually involves physical pain. I, I guess mental pain could be worse, depending on how you look at it, but that is probably physical and mental pain. So, he's got the best of both worlds. Imagine someone at work asked him, like, hey, man, you all right? How'd you break your hand? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Just like he for, he'll forever symbolize or he'll, he'll forever coincide Correa with his broken wrist. That sucks, even though it is kind of funny. I'm sorry. I hope he's OK, but that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> L- let me break the numbers for you down real quick, because I realized I never did that. And I wrote that in the rundown. Carlos Correa in this offseason has signed for a combined 31 years and $865 million between the Giants, Mets, and Twins. And even better, the valuation of his contract is almost half. Like, what it is now, it's almost half of what the Mets were going to give him. With incentives and everything, too. So, huh. That is a pretty big L for Correa, and I argue a bigger L for his agent, Scott Boris, which I'm not going <laughs> to lie, Tom, did you see he almost called out the Mets earlier today, or it might have been yesterday, saying like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed in the Mets. Yeah, he, he pretty much did call them out. Do you want to elaborate on this? Because I'm just going to laugh in the background as you do this, because I saw this and I'm like, dude, you're f***ing stupid. Oh, I would love to. I just need to pull up the tweet. So, quote, this is from Talking Baseball. Uh, Well, they didn't report on it, but this is the tweet I'm getting it from. Quote from Scott Boris. 
I don't understand the Mets. I gave them all the information. We had them talk to four doctors. They knew the issue the Giants had, and yet they still call the same doctor the Giants used for his opinion. There were uh, there was no new information, so why negotiate a contract if you were going to rely on the same doctor? Scott, <laughs> here's here's the thing about doctors. <laughs> if some if I if a doctor did an evaluation on me, and then I go to another doctor, and the doctor said, hey, what did doctor number one say about you? And then doctor number two reaches out to doctor number one. That's just common practice in the medical field. It's not like, oh, we're trying to screw with Carlos's contract by talking to the doctor who gave him a bad review. No, that's just what you do when you try to make sure your athlete that you're paying $300 million has a clean bill of health. That's what you do. You talk to the right doctor. Like, you're not trying to be Tom Cruise when you're doing stunts. Like, oh, I, I asked this one stunt guy, he said no, so I asked another stunt guy, and he said yes. That's not how medicine works. I don't know, it just seems like Scott Boris throwing his, like, throwing his hands down like a child having a temper tantrum. Like, I wanted him to sign for $300 million, and the Mets should have talked to my doctor, who would have said yes. Like, sorry, Scott, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> Well, Scott Boris, to be fair, goes on the temper tantrum at least once every offseason because one of his <laughs> clients doesn't get what they want. But I love the fact that he's just like, yeah, you see that deal? We're going to sweep that under the rug. Don't look at that one. Look at the doctors that we provided for you. Like, <laughs> are you fucking stupid? Do you not realize that people do their homework? It's almost like getting a new... This is kind of exactly the same thing. It's like applying for a job. People do their homework on you, and Carlos Correa wanted to be hired by the Mets, or the Mets wanted to hire him. They did their due diligence. Of course, you're going to look at the resume and everything that the client provides you, but then you got to do your own homework and realize to make sure everything looks tip-top and diddly-doodle-dandy. I don't know. I'm tired. I've been up <laughs> since 3.30 a.m., and it's 9.50 p.m., so excuse my stupid language. Stupid English language. Stupid use of the English Hello. language. This whole sentence is Hello. going downhill. Hello, Giants. This is the Mets. I'm calling to make sure Carlos Correa is tip-top diddly-doodle-dandy. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Mr. Steve Cohen. He, he, he isn't. I'm sorry. He's actually doodly doodly toop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Bippity-boppity-boop. Let's make a deal. Uh, I... God. That's how Vinny Pasquatino's contract extension's gonna go. <laughs> I heard you're his agent. Like, I, I hear that's how you're gonna speak at the negotiations. I'm gonna show up with two extras from Goodfellas, slam my fist on the table and say, Gentlemen, gentlemen, Kansas City Royals, do you want the Pasquatch or not? And then if you can't get a deal, you're gonna end up like Tommy and Goodfellas, and you're gonna be saying, Oh, shit, and then you end up with a bullet in your brain. I'll, I'll play the clip from Goodfellas. This'll be you. Now sign him. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. <Jesus>. Somehow, <laughs> that'll be less underhanded than Scott Boris. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, Jesus. either way. Yeah, back back to Scott Boris's dumbassery. <laughs> yeah. That, that that's pretty that's pretty I think Tony and I were about the same thing. That's that's pretty much all that we can extract out of this. Like, what did he honestly expect them to do? Like, who gives a shit about the doctors that you provide? Yeah, the Mets have their own doctors, you can provide their own doctors. But you get multiple opinions about stuff before you actually proceed with processes. And of course the Mets would go to the San Francisco's doctor. That's the only logical thing to do. Ask him what went wrong. What did you see? And they agreed. Can't fault them. No, you can't fault them at all. That's just how it goes.
Oh my god, Scott Boris is just looking for a scapegoat for why his client didn't sign for $300 million. But, hey, Correa's technically the first guy in history to sign multiple deals north of $200 million in the same offseason, so good for you, I guess. You only get to keep one of them, and it's the least valuable of them all, but, eh, whatever, you get to hit with your buddy Byron Buxton for the next six years, and maybe your ankle won't give out on you. Hey, oh my yeah, god, could you... The- the two most fragile players in yeah. baseball, Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa, three and four in the lineup. Oh, dear I was about God. To say that. The Twins Infirmary is going to be the most expensive hospital <laughs> on earth. Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa on the 60 day. Their payroll of the infirmary will probably outrank their actual other payroll of other players that they've signed for <laughs> at some point in the next six years, at the very least. I can almost guarantee that. I think that's all I can milk from. This Carlos Correa saga. This is absolutely wild. Tom, if you have more you want to add, please chime in. Maybe I missed something. Maybe we missed something, but... All I'm going to say is tune in two weeks from now when we inevitably have more (laughs) news about Carlos Correa to disclose. Because there will be something. I can almost guarantee it at this rate. I'm so tempted to title this episode The Carlos Correa Show. We have a segment planned for you guys that we're going to get to in like five minutes, not even, but... Up next on The Bachelorette. Carlos Correa thinks he found what? his dream team. The, oh, the Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelorette. <laughs> well, you did say he was like a diva at some point during this episode, was, so that could make sense. I was going to say he's behaving like a reality show star. I don't know. I could see the correlation. <laughs> <laughs> I had no Up idea next. you were going to. <laughs> he just broke out into the Bachelor. <laughs> I'd like to point out, for the record, I have never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and I will never watch it unless Carlos Correa is on the show, (laughs) and they actually do a spoof on it by the amount of teams he signs for. They do, like, the GM of each team is, like, the contestants, and Carlos hands out roses. Like, I've never seen The Bachelor either. All I know is that they hand out roses, and if you don't get that, you go home depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see someone make that. SNL, do something funny for the first time in 20 years. Make that happen. Yeah, there you go. I'll actually watch that. Either way, commentary aside, I think that's about it for Carlos Correa. Tom, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Any more reality show spots you could spoof? I I would, but I'll probably screw it up, so let's move on. (laughs) Absolutely, let's move on. We got one more story for you guys before we hop into our main segment, and this one, sadly, is a bit of a somber note. Uh, We're sticking in the AL Central, and we're going to talk about Liam Hendricks. As y'all may or may not have heard... Liam Hendricks has sadly recently been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. This comes from, I think, earlier this week. Uh, He put out a statement through the White Sox Twitter account. I'll just read it out really quick. Sorry, no, it was his own account. My mistake. Recently, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hearing the word cancer came as a shock to my wife and I, as it does to millions of families each year. However, I am resolved to embrace the fight and overcome this new challenge with the same determination I have used when facing my other obstacles in life. So, Liam Hendricks, I we haven't really talked about him on the show, just specifically on the whole. One of the best relievers in baseball over the past couple seasons. Just a great guy. If you hear him talk in postgame pressers and just spots where he's talking with the MLB Network crew or with folks after a game, just seems like a really stand-up guy, a guy whose teammates love, he loves his teammates, seems like a, like a great fit in Chicago too. Seeing anybody go through something like this is heartbreaking, but especially a guy as affable as Liam Hendricks, it just hurts even more. Just wanted to throw this out there, we're saying our prayers, wishing all the best for Liam and his family. 
wishing for a swift and healthy recovery, and that he'll be back pumping 99 mile per hour fastballs sooner rather than later. Get well soon, Liam. We're hoping for you. Absolutely. Um, could have said it better than Tony uh, right there. It's sad to see somebody have to be associated with the word cancer or in the more technical term, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'd like to point out where he's just been associated with many different charities in the Chicago market. The Athletic has an article that he was like a volunteer for something called Players for Pits, which is a pit bull rescue near like Guaranteed Rate Field or something like that in Chicago. And then, of course, other charitable efforts as well. They've raised awareness for uh, he and his wife, Christy. It looks like um, they've fought to end animal abuse. They've volunteered at a food pantry called the St. James Food Pantry. In the past, I see an article that says he's striking out poverty um, from pledgeit.org. So he, he's done a lot. And so I'm really hoping that the universe repays him for his efforts and everything that he's done for others in one way or another. So the only thing we can do is wish him for the best of luck. If he returns to the baseball field, that's absolutely fantastic. He'll be welcome welcome back with the most open of arms possible. If that is it for Liam Hendricks, then hopefully he just has a happy and healthy and sustainable life for many, many, many years to come. So that's that. It's a sad note, but hopefully it has a happy ending. That's all we can wish for, Tony. Sucks when we have to bring up stories like this on the podcast, you know, be it someone's untimely death or a heartbreaking diagnosis like this but you know what say our prayers liam's gonna keep fighting and all we could do is pray and hope there's a light at the end of light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of folks and i hope it's no different for liam hendrix hope for a full recovery for him now that will about do it for our major stories headlines and transactions segment that was very long but it's over well <laughs> by that was very long i meant the title i just gave out um <laughs> Either way. I was about to say I was about to say that's what she said to the end of that was very long and it's over but uh <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want to be the guy to break the mood although I guess I already have so there you it's go okay we're about to get into a fun segment anyway so might as well get the smiles back on the call so we have a segment that I didn't I'm kind of surprised we haven't done a segment like this on the show before but Tom I guess you could consider it kind of inspired by let's call them pretty sh- lists we've seen on twitter and maybe on mlb network maybe some somewhere else that got us thinking i think it was you who had the idea to do kind of a like best players in the game today type list because you know we've done best free agents available from last year we've done best players not in the hall of fame we've done teams of the month teams of the year teams of whatever we've never just sat down and said hey Who are the best players in baseball right now? Who are the best players going into 2023? And that's what we want to do right now. What we're going to do is a top 24. Why top 24? Because we're going to do what we're calling a diamonds double dozen. In that double dozen 24, you get it. Top 24 current players in Major League Baseball. Now, this, as you know, is going to be objective fact and any other opinion is wrong. Of course. That's our disclaimer. Of course. (laughs) As always, because others, like Tony mentioned, are completely dead wrong. Just go look at their top 50 or top 100 lists. I'm not even going to repeat their name on the podcast because they irked me so much that somebody in the comments section came up with a better top 50 than this certain <laughs> individual on Twitter. And that's what triggered me to make this segment for the show. Spoiler alert, Gunnar Henderson, not in the top 24. Sorry, Jack, but maybe next year or the year after. 
Oh boy, so here's the fun part of this. Uh, Tom, I don't know about you, but I didn't do a ton of prep for this. Oh, like, I, oh I, I didn't either, don't worry. I was gonna say, because when it comes to a topic like this, I think the top three, top five, maybe top ten is already pretty self-explanatory. Like, the first baseball player you could think of is probably in the top five. And if you guessed Aaron Hicks, yes. But once you get to, like, the bottom of this list, like, how could you definitively say, oh, this is the 24th best player in Major League Baseball? You know, the margins between 24, 23, 22, it's so small and minute that we're probably going to have to weed through a good, like, 10 candidates just to get the number 24 spot. I mean, hell, the way I divvied it up on the rundown is I literally, I typed out a bunch of players, and then right at the bottom, I said, hey, here's a bunch of other players we could consider. So, honestly, Tom, just being able to plant the flag and say, all right, this is our first player, and these ones we're not putting on is going to be fun. Let's say that. Yeah, hopefully this segment also doesn't take like two hours to do. Because honestly, <laughs> if we sat down and analytically like deep dove every player that we can consider making for a top 24, we would be here for over two hours doing that. Because between Tony's analytic knowledge and me just saying, Tony, you suck, your opinion is pointless, my opinion rocks, and this is how we're going to do it. And then we go back and forth and argue between civility and evil. Then, yeah, that would take over two hours, but we're not going to do that because uh, we don't have two hours. I want to go to bed. So I guess we'll start out toward the bottom and work our way up, although we kind of know who's probably going to be at least, like, I'd say the top 15, maybe 20. Like, I think we can already check some names off, and I almost want to count and see how many names we have there, so that way we need to know how many we need, we need to add going forward. I'm, yeah, go ahead, do that. Wait, which tier are you looking at? Is it is it this one right here, this third one? Yeah, pretty much there up I'm looking at. So 2, okay. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, counting 20. Everyone. Could you tell? So that's 20. Oh. Thank you for the uh, commentary huh. on me counting. That's, that's kind of funny because we have five here. <laughs> <laughs> that's great but spoiler alert the five there are not going to be five people who i would consider the top tw oh shit, we're doing a top 24 so we have to add four people i forgot yeah. this is a diamonds <laughs> dozen <laughs> yeah so, so we have to delete one from here and then all these guys unless you want to sub in one or two for these bottom four because uh, sorry five if anything you know what we could do we could kind of list off these five here as like you know these guys are probably bottom of the list type thing and then list off some of the guys here who could be the best contenders. Maybe bring in this little wild card here at some point. I don't know. So I guess let's just start with that little odd man there. We're going to call the dishonorable mention from this list because he really didn't play last year. That's Fernando Tatis Jr. Come back when you've actually played a full season's worth of baseball where you weren't under, where you didn't get busted for PEDs. And then maybe I'll put you in a top 24. Until then... You certainly have the talent, but damn, you need to prove that you have it again. That's kind of going to be my attitude for some of these players as to why I might rank them more favorably than others is you need to prove it if you've been hurt for a while or you just got off of a year where you literally sat out or something like that. In this case of Fernando Tatis Jr., no, he's not going to crack my top 24. I'm sorry. Would he crack a top 40 or a top 30? Quite possibly. But top 24 definitively, I can't put him in that list. I don't know how you feel about this, Tony, because we didn't discuss this before the show. That's why I think this will be funny, because honestly, Tom, I typed out all these names. Like, these top three tiers just 
pretty much off the top of my head. Like, all right, you, you, you. And then like when I got to this last tier of like, oh, these guys could probably round out the list. I thought, wait, damn it. <laughs> the guy who hit like 40 <laughs> home runs is a shortstop. Damn I mean, him. It, if we're going by pure like like the ceiling, like his potential, he's probably around. I'd cut him a little slack, just not cut him a little slack. I would bring him down a little bit just because of the whole PEDs thing. I think he's going to take a little bit of time to readjust. I don't think it's going to be, you know, night and day. He's just going to hit like 15 home runs and be useless. But, you know, I think he'll see a bit of a tick in his production compared to 2019. But you also have to consider he doesn't have a set position on the diamond right now with Bogarts and Machado on the left side. He doesn't want to play the outfield. He probably doesn't want to DH. He still strikes out way too much. I don't know. He, he Honestly, Tatis would probably be somewhere between 11 and 15 for me if I ranked him on here, just by his pure potential alone. But you're right. He's going to miss like a month and a half of the season. He's not going to be at his fullest form, at least probably. He was medically cleared to play, but we don't know if the PEDs are going to hamper him. For the sake of simplicity, I'll leave him off too, but I'll just say for the record, he would have been around number 12 for me. Let's just say that. Like smack that in the middle high. of the We're talking peak potential. Yes, peak potential. Dude, he okay. hit 40 home runs. Yeah, peak potential, I can agree with that. I, I was about to say, if you meant, like, right now, I'd be like, you're out of your f mind. I would log off of Discord right now. Do it. I dare you. Bet. End call. <laughs> I don't know why I expected you to do it. That would have f***ed with our recordings. But either way. Yeah, that's uh, why I, yeah. I wouldn't have done that. So we're going <laughs> to eliminate him from the list we'll, already. We'll omit Tatis right now. That's easy. Now... Tom, should we say these five guys right here as like our borderline guys and then maybe bring in some question marks from here? Yes, because those borderline guys, I want to make some adjustments to. All right. So I'll list them off right here. These are the five guys I think could be the, you know, like I said, the bottom of the list, but we've got some contenders. I wrote down Vlad Jr., Francisco Lindor, JT Romuto, Garrett Cole, and Jose Altuve. All for different reasons, all coming off fantastic 2022 seasons. I'm a little bullish, Tom, on Real Muto. Uh, ooh, nice ad there. I'm just a little skeptical on him that it's, you know, it's his first real big year. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I would put him there either. But then again, you're going to disagree with me when I mention somebody else. But go on. Fair enough. I mean, I already know who you're looking at. For the record, Tom put Andres Jimenez, definitely a good mention for a top 50. I'm bullish on him for next year, but I don't think he puts up seven more again. That's all. That's fair. Either way, I'm particularly high on Lindor and Real Muto. Maybe Guerrero as well, but honestly, Cole, I, I love Cole, don't get me wrong, and I love Altuve, probably should have finished third in MVP voting this year, but I don't know, I just think the ceiling's higher for those three, especially considering Real Muto is a catcher. I want to, it's mostly because I want a catcher on this list, even if he's just number 24. Well, here's the thing, I can agree with you on Cole and Altuve, because Cole gives up too many home runs for me to realistically put him on this list. Also, I'm being yeah. biased because I'm a Yankee fan and I hate seeing him give up all those home runs. And Jose Altuve, I have this anti-bias towards. However, I will say this, <laughs> he is the best pure second baseman in baseball, but I don't know if I can necessarily put him there, even though we probably should at least have one second baseman on this list. To be fair, I think if we had at least one in each position, that would be something worthy to do but then again we can argue that trey turner can be that guy so you know what i i can relent to that thought but now my other thought is i'm not particularly high on francisco lindor necessarily i might be open right. to swapping him with somebody now real muto and guerrero 
I'm borderline with, but I'm okay with Real Muto because he's the best catcher in the game right now. But I'm looking at some of the other guys that we have written down in the to consider category. I'm going to cross off Alex Bregman because he's too streaky, for my taste at least. If this was talking like 40 home run Alex Bregman, yeah, he'd probably be in the top 10 to be honest. But that's not the case. Uh, Smith, I'm assuming you're talking about Will Smith, right? No, Dominic Smith. Thanks. Cross off. Seager? <laughs> no. Seager, no. Cleveland Brown, that's... I don't... Why did we write Cleveland Brown on the <laughs> list? That was our running joke for before the show. Don't know how we came up. We just started singing the theme song of the Cleveland show back and forth. Yeah. Hey, why'd you cross him off? He's easily... He should uh, be here. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave him unchecked for now. Um, Vinny Pasquantino, Tony, I love your passion, and you wrote it in all caps, and you add some extra O's at the end, kind of like you were gonna go like, oh, but for Pasquantino, something like that, but, um, realistically, absolutely Let me not, guess. he's not even, Wait, he's is, not is, even is a top your 50 player. Is this your answer? Yes, no, for Pasquantino, <laughs> yes, that is my answer. Andres Jimenez, I, I think we kind of agreed that I need to see a little bit more out of him. Although that mind argument's going to not become valid in a minute, but go on. I just want to say, mind you, the guys we're talking about, if we were doing a top 50, all of them would crack it. Like, yes. every single guy we've mentioned now, especially Cleveland Brown. <laughs> no, Seager, Ru- uh, oh my god, I almost said someone you haven't said yet, but Seager, Bregman... Jimenez, I think, would definitely make it. Yeah, you can go over them and start crossing people off if you want. We can have a disagreement if that's the case. I have a disagreement on this individual right here. Oh, that's see. Adley Rushman. <laughs> see, remember that argument I just made for Andres Jimenez? I was going to include Rushman in the top yeah. 24. Actually, he's a top 24 player right now. He only played half a season. Deadass. He did, and he put up 5.4 war in half that season. That's as a good a catcher. point. I love Rushman's potential. Don't get me wrong. I love people who are bullish on Rushman. I don't know if he's top 25 yet, though. Honestly, I don't even know if I'd put him top 30. See, like, I would love... Hmm? Here's the thing. Andres Jimenez, I don't know if he can get 7 war again. Adley Rushman, I think he can easily get 5 war plus again. I think he could get 7 war next year. Easily. Yeah. Meaning he Rushman's would take guy- over... JT Real Muto spot as the best catcher in baseball. He's going to do that pretty soon. And if we're going to include Real Muto, I almost want to include Rutschman just for the hell of it. Also, it would get us maybe some clicks. And, you know, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Well, and you see- I'm saying this in a podcast medium. Uh, so mm. this doesn't really work. You know, if we're doing this for clicks let's just put gunner henderson at number one man you know uh he's gonna be a great shortstop you know i'm doing could, uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is suddenly turned into a uh book talk channel yeah see i, w- I want to be different that's why i'm like rutchman why the hell not like he wouldn't be like top 20 i'd put him very low like maybe 24 like i would still rate him lower than real muto to be fair but Let's leave him at least uncrossed for now, and then we can circle back yeah. to Adley Rutschman. I'm fine with keeping him unchecked for now. Someone I do want to cross out, though, is this guy. Pete Alonzo. Okay. Pete Alonzo, I love his... I wrote him down because of the sheer counting stats he put up, but from a from an all-around game, he's a great, like, top 40 player. Like, I think Pete Alonzo is a great... Like, if you say, oh, Pete Alonzo's the 30th best player in Major League Baseball, I believe you. 
I really would. But if if you start putting him over guys, I don't know, someone else in here like Kyle Tucker, I just don't think I'd believe you. Kyle Tucker's just a more well-rounded ball player. I love Pete Alonso. He had a great season. I just don't think he's going to be in my top 24. At any rate, I'm also going to eliminate Dansby Swanson because, listen, he may have had a top 24-esque season last year. I guarantee you with the Cubs, he won't even have a top 30, maybe let alone top 40 season next mm-hmm. year. That ain't yeah, going to happen. That's also important to note. The reason we're even considering Rushman, again, players for next year. This is how we think they're going to perform next year. So that's why I'm totally fine with ditching Dansby as well. Someone I kind of want you to see, like, I, I kind of want to see what you think about these two. The two, well, one ex-Red Sox, but what do you think about Devers and Bogarts? <laughs> see, to me, if we're judging the whole package, they need to have that whole package. And to me, Devers wouldn't cut it defensively. But I could be open to considering him. Honestly, I'm slightly higher on him than Lindor for whatever reason. Um, really? I wonder whatever... why you're not that high on... I'm sorry I... to cut you off. I... Why aren't you that high on Lindor? I, just... I only ask because he put up like seven more last year, and I think he could get better with the Mets. He did not put up seven more last year. According to Fangraphs, at least. He put up 5.4 more. Up... Okay, that's still pretty good. <laughs> 6.8 Fangraphs. Dude, according to Fangraphs, he was sixth in war last year, only behind Freeman, Goldie, Nolan, Manny, and Judge. I, maybe I just have this misconception of that year one with the Mets was in my head, and That's maybe he'll regress a little bit, because I, I, I don't know. Like, do I expect him to go off like he did in Cleveland, where he had like 38 home runs and whatnot? No. God, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to regress somewhat a little bit I, I i'm just bullish on it to be honest don't you mean bearish bullish would mean you're like you're high on him you want him you think you're gonna you do that you think he's gonna do well okay well f- you're really bullish <laughs> see that's that's what happens when you are a marketing major you know stock market terms great i'm, I'm oh just gonna God. cross off bogart's endeavors unless you want to make say- a case for one of them I was going to make a case more so for Devers for pure, because again, like I said earlier, I'm high on Devers for next year. I think he's going to do great, even in a pretty barren Red Sox lineup. I love Bogarts, but I don't think he's going to do the same things defensively he will last year, uh, that he did last year. Plus, I'm kind of a believer in the new stage syndrome, as I like to call it. You kind of mentioned it with Lindor. Lindor's first year with the Mets, he was awful. Harper's first year with the Phillies, he was kind of underwhelming. You know, it's it's that adjustment period, and I think Bogarts is going to go through that. He's still going to hit, like, 300 and get X number of doubles, but I just don't think he's going to be the best, like, you know, one of the best like he was last year. I'm okay with leaving him off the top 24, but mm. he still would be a top 40 player for me. Yeah, and in a more crowded lineup with pot with the Padres, maybe his numbers take a little bit of a dip. At least maybe they wouldn't stand out as much as you would in Boston. Then again, Francisco Lindor hit a I'm pretty sure that was a career high in RBIs last year with the Mets at one oh seven. Yeah, that's the only time he even cracked one hundred. So there you go with that. I'm just gonna go ahead and cross off Austin Riley and Kyle Tucker right now. They're great players. Really? I don't think I don't think they're Maybe Riley more than Tucker, to be honest, but I think when we're considering outfielders, I think there's guys that are just far ahead of Kyle Tucker in terms of productivity that it kind of undermines his value a little bit. You know what's kind of funny? I was going to go the opposite way. I was going to say Tucker more than Riley. Hmm. Tucker has that all-around value. He's a toolsy outfielder. He could steal bases. He's a great defender in right field. Plus, he's got sneaky home run pop. I forgot how many he hit last year. I'm going to pull it up now if Fangraphs ever decides to load. 
I'll tell you, Kyle Tucker has been one of my like low-key favorite players in baseball for the past couple of years now. Here he is. Yeah, Kyle Tucker hit 30 home runs last year. And he also drove in, uh-oh, he only, is that 71? Oh no, that's 71 runs. He drove in 107 and stole 25 bases. Kyle Tucker is one of the sneakiest five-tool players in baseball, and I honestly would pick at him. If we replace Lindor with anyone, I honestly think Tucker would be my guy. I don't know. I would also like you to consider the three aces I kind of added to the list at the bottom as some possible candidates. I see them. Because we don't have, I'm looking at the list, and I don't know if we have a lefty starting pitch in this uh, top 24. (laughs) I mean, we don't, but... I think that's just because of the nature of the game right now, the best pitchers in the game are righties. And that's, that's no fair. disrespect to those. That's no disrespect to the three guys. I'll actually mention four because you wrote down another name. Uh, oh, wait, one of them is a righty. I'm blind. But there's three. There's still three lefties. He wrote down Fran Valdez, Julio Urias, and Max Freed, all of whom I think are fantastic picks for next year, especially Valdez. I think now that Verlander's gone and he'll have the chance to be the team's ace, I think he's going to step up in a big way. I think he's going to have a low-key shot at a Cy Young this year, along with Christian Javier. I think both of them are going to be sneaky dark horses for Cy Youngs. But Valdez, I think, is just a case of there's more guys here who I'm high on, especially in the pitching department. Like, spoiler alert, there's two Mets pitchers on here that are that I think I like more than Valdez for next year. There's a Brewers pitcher. There's You could probably guess who these are, but I don't know. Valdez, I just I love him, but I just think there are other pitchers who are better. Freed? I don't know. What did Max Freed do last year? Because I think he falls in the same boat. If he's good, I just don't think he's as good. And mm. Urias, as underrated as he is, I think is also in that category. Like, yeah, all of them would be a- killer. Hmm? You ask how Max Freed did last year. He also finished second in Cy Young, if you don't remember. I actually didn't remember. I thought that was Urias. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Aaron Nola got fourth. What the f***? Come on, guys. He was, what? He was good last year. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just kind of pissy that like gallon or rodon didn't get it but whatever that's a good I, point I, zach, zach gallon underrated he's not going to be on this list but he's so good yeah, yeah I, I also wrote down for the record dylan cease and zach wheeler because those are oh, two guys who especially in the case of wheeler where he's actually performed extremely well in philly cease he's kind of had that one year i think he could fall off a little bit going into next year possibly so I'll, I'll eliminate C's, but I don't know, man. This this is a lot more difficult. I also realized we've been doing this for like 20 minutes, and we've yet to definitively say number 24, <laughs> number 23. This is going to take a lot longer than I thought. Well, the good news is once we get out of this, and once we get more into like the top 15, this is going to get way easier. Like, folks out there, keep listening. It's We're going to get to the obvious names, and we're going to actually make a list. So, okay, here, let's let's just start eliminating, guys. I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll eliminate my paisan. Don't worry, Vinny. You're number one in my heart. Uh, Tom's going to go ahead and eliminate Cleveland Brown. I think, I don't know, I think he could have been a good one, but, you know, we'll see. So we're down to, would you mind if I eliminated Riley and brought Tucker back? You can eliminate Riley and bring back Tucker. Why not? I don't think I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to put Tucker in the top 24, but fine. I think he's more deserving of it than Riley. Don't get me wrong. Austin Riley, great player, arguably the Braves' best hitter right now outside of you know, like the ceiling of what Ronald Acuna can be. Maybe Matt Olson goes crazy again. So that leaves for the number 24 spot. We're down to, well, here, Tom, how about we organize these three up here just super quick, just like lightning fast. One, two, three, Guerrero, Lindor, or Real Muto. Like basically who's going to be the one on the chopping block? Like gun to my head, I would say JT, then Vlad, then Lindor. Like Lindor right now is 24 and he's the one we flip. Gun to my head, it would be JT and then Lindor. Oh, so you like Vlad the least. 
No, I I'm saying Vlad is safe in my books. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I was so you you switched JT and Vlad. Okay, I'm fine with that. So either way, we both have Lindor at 24 right now. So if we substitute anybody in, it will be over Lindor. So there we go. We made some of the list. At the moment, it's 22. I- I'm okay with putting Vlad at 22. I'll just say that. I love JT, <laughs> but with Vlad's ceiling, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Vlad is 22, JT is 23, and Lindor is 24, although that might change soon. So, Tom, let's deliberate here. The guys we have left are Tucker, Rushman, Valdez, Wheeler, and Freed. Oh, and Urias. Who are you thinking? <sighs> See, here's the thing. I really want a lefty on this list, just so we can say we have a lefty on the list. Wheeler, I'm going to eliminate out of those guys. Yeah, um, I'm okay with that. So I guess it would come down to one of my three lefties. Who do I like best? Off the top of my head, I would say either Freed or Valdez, because I do think Valdez does have a lot of potential. Mm. Going next year. Urias, don't get me wrong, he always has a low ERA. I just always think he, I don't know, something doesn't get me about Julio Urias sometimes when I evaluate him. I don't know. I'd like to point out super quick, you mentioned, like, what the hell, Aaron Nola got fourth. Aaron Nola led baseball in pitching war, my guy, at least according to fan graphs. Yeah, uh, well, somehow, whatever. Somehow beat Alcantara, which honestly, that's kind of weird. But also, my point being, I pulled this up. <laughs> The one who's highest on this list of the guys we're talking about is Freed. And I'm going to be honest, of the guys I would put up, I'd probably say Freed. I I honestly think that's the safest bet. I love Urias, but he always screamed to me like somewhere between 30 and 40, especially because I love him up there. He's been slept on all of last year. He's basically the Dodgers ace right now. Mm -hmm. And Valdez, a lot of what I love about him is speculative. I mean, don't get me wrong. He had a great season. He's going to have a great season. By speculative, I mean how much he'll improve upon this year is speculative. You know, I still think he could go further and reach his peak. Right now, I think he's like a top, I think he's a top 10 arm in the game, but I also think he's, in terms of players as a whole, I don't know if he cracks top 20, like top 20 or 24, you know? See, like if Valdez, there's any of these guys with the pedig- See, uh, Valdez, I'm sorry, if there's any guys, I'm going to shut up, go. <laughs> I was going to say, Valdez can go the distance. I'm looking at their numbers. They're both the same age, believe it or not. They're both 28, Freed and Valdez, this past season. Freed is um, 28? Goddamn. Yeah, I didn't know that either, dude. Valdez can go the distance. However, his ERA is about, say, 40 points higher, give or take. Although Valdez, then again, he had more strikeouts. He also had a lower ERA plus and like that. So I guess if I had to pick one, I guess I would have to lean toward Freed. Although, I'm also thinking about how good Valdez pitched in the postseason, and I'm like, Argh! but, uh... <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> it, 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 it is pretty difficult. I, I'll, I'll say Freed. I'll relent and say Freed, because Valdez... Here. I don't know. Idea that I just got off the top of my head. How about if we make these into social graphics? We have, like, an honorable mentions tab with the guys we have left. Tucker, Rushman... Oh, yeah, uh, I guess I could do that. Valdez like we could pick like five of our favorites from here and put them as you know honorable mentions sure so we can do that but then we still need one for the top 24 that's true good job (laughs) because I'm okay with swapping Lindor out as much as I love Lindor oh I did not mean to select that nice job as much as I like Lindor for next year I am high on him I'm okay with swapping him out for somebody else and like if you ask me my pick would honestly be Kyle Tucker I just think he has way too much to offer to this Astros team, and he goes unsung a lot. I think putting him on this list for me would be my, like, stamp of, yeah, Kyle Tucker is that good. 
Still, I, I may be a little bit bullish on Kyle Tucker, but that's just how I value five-tool players. There's really nobody in the game, or rather, not many people in the game, that do what Kyle Tucker does. That's really my whole argument for him. I see what you mean with Rushman. He genuinely could leapfrog into the best catcher best catcher in baseball conversation. His sample size just worries me. I'm not worried that he's going to be bad. I just, you know, am a little hesitant to put him at a top 24. And of the pitchers, I would def- if we had to put one at 24, I would definitely say Max Freed. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm, I just want to put a pitcher there because we have only like five or six pitchers already in there. So I'm trying to give them a little bit more representation in the grand scheme of it all. Because it depends on how you define value in baseball. Yes, a batter is going to have more value, but ultimately the pitcher, I think, is getting undermined here. Now, Freed wouldn't crack the top 20, probably, mind you, no. but uh, my vote would be to put in Freed for Lindor or Real Muto. I'm okay with putting him over Lindor, just because Real Muto would be our only catcher, and especially I want to give him props as he's still really the only catcher in baseball that can do all he can do. Rushman's going to be there, don't get me wrong. Honestly, this time next year, Rushman might be in the top 20, we'll see. But I'm okay with putting Freed there, you know what, J just to get the ball rolling. I really want to put Kyle Tucker there, but at the same point, you're right, we do have a bunch of... We only have like a handful of righties we're going to put on this list. Plus, I, you kind of hinted at you had a spicy hot take from one of them, so. <sighs> oh, yeah, I guess I did have that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like out of the outfielders, Kyle Tucker, I'm the least most on out of the guys that we've got above him. So that would only be my gripe against him. So I guess I just want more pitcher. I'm for pitchers. That That's my campaign slogan. I am for pitchers, not outfielders. F*** the outfielders. I'm a pitcher guy. So, well, save the honorable mentions for social. Let's actually get to ranking. Number 24. This is the part where you chime in. Wait, are you going <laughs> to... Oh, I was going to say, are you throwing this... I'm sorry, I literally just thought, wait, we should we should write these down. I have a notepad up on my screen. I, I'm going to type out all the numbers. Well, well here, we've also got here, a Google you know Doc right Do in front of us that we could also literally use as well. I'm stupid. Uh, take, take that again. <laughs> and this time, I'll actually say the player's name. And it won't be Vinny Pasquantino, maybe. Max Freed. Okay, that's fine. Okay, I guess I'll type it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. All right, 23. Damn it! <laughs> I'll do 22 then. <laughs> it's not We good. don't know how to work Google Docs. <laughs> okay, so for the record, JT Real Muto's 23 and 22 is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Perfect. Let's go to 21. <laughs> All right. Now we get to the boys that are going to be the boys. They're going to be there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess my next discussion, Tony, with you is where do we want to rank these pitchers? Because I feel like it'll be a little bit easier to start ranking the hitters as we come and go. I want to know where mm -hmm. you're heading with the pitchers because I know you wrote down this list but I'm probably going to have different opinions than you. So I want to know what your tiers of pitchers are that we have down right now, which, by the way, are Jacob deGrom, Sandy Alcantara, Corbin Burns, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer. I'm going to be honest, the order you read them in is pretty much my, like, one through five as to how I'd rank them. Maybe I'd put Verlander over Burns, specifically because of you know, what Verlander did last year. The only thing that would really hold him back is age. 
That's the only thing that's holding me back from putting Scherzer higher. I honestly want to put Scherzer at 21. He had a great season, but he also missed a lot of time with injury. He's only going to get older, so is Verlander. Verlander is going to be 40, so th that's just how I'd rank them. Like my Again, my pick for 21 is going to be Max Scherzer, so I don't know how you value it. You know, I agree with you on Scherzer, to be completely honest. Out of all the pitchers, I think he is that because of the injury history he had last year. So I'm okay with putting Max Scherzer at 21. Cool. Now, in terms of how we rank the other pitchers, this is where I might differ from you. I don't know Ooh. if I can put Jacob deGrom as my top pitcher. Really? Yes. Now, let me explain. When he is fully healthy, he will be number one, without a doubt. But in the past two seasons alone, I want to get this number right. The past two seasons alone, he's only pitched in 26 games. I'm not counting 2020 because he technically pitched a full season then. He only pitched 26 games. Now, granted, last year he had a 108 ERA and a 373 ERA plus on the year. That was his age 33. His age 34 season, he came back with a 308 ERA in less innings pitched. He gave up more home runs in that span. I'm not going to count the strikeouts. His ERA plus was 126. I just feel that there's going to be some regression out of Jacob deGrom, especially in kind of a neutral ballpark. I feel like maybe City Field is maybe a little bit more generous to the pitcher. Not saying I don't have his road home splits up, to be honest. But granted, based on his injury history, his age, which again, I might not consider in a second, I don't know if I can rank him as my top pitcher. I'm going to be honest, I had no idea he was that okay last year. I knew he wasn't the world killer he was in 2021 before he got hurt, but... Ugh. If he goes back to world killer form, he is a top five player in baseball. Easily. Easily. Best James. pitcher in the game. I, I might honestly put him in, like, number four. The thing I like about DeGrom for next year, I'm going to be honest, one of the only things, because I, I'll admit, I'm with you, I'm a bit bearish on DeGrom for next year. I think he's going to see... A little bit of regression. I don't think he's just going to immediately put on the Rangers threads and boom, he's an amazing pitcher again. The injuries have hampered him. He was a little bit ineffective last year. Plus, he's adjusting to a new ballpark. Again, just the wear and tear on his arm. He's thrown so much before the injury history and that injury in 2021 felt like like the snap. like Almost like what happened with Corey Kluber. He got hurt and has never been the same ever since. So I'm okay with putting DeGrom a little bit lower than I would have put him. Like, if we're talking, like, straight up, like, the ceiling, his absolute peak, he belongs at the very top with, you know, your Mike Trouts, your Otanis, your Judges, your whoever. But I also don't want to put him this low, if that makes any sense. Like, I'll oh, compromise and I'm say not, he belongs... Hmm? I'm not saying, like, number 20. I'm just trying to grade how you're going to evaluate your pitchers. Like, rank them in order. Then we can get to the actual rankings later. I'm not saying so he's number I'm curious. 20. Okay, good, 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 because I wasn't going to put him at number 20. Yeah. Uh, My question to you then, who is your top pitcher? Is it Sandy? You're going to hate me when I say Justin Verlander is my top pitcher. Damn, okay. <laughs> at You're 40 years me. young. <laughs> yeah. Remember that age <laughs> argument I just made about Jacob deGrom? Throw it out the window. To be fair, <laughs> Justin Verlander. Yeah, Justin Verlander has thrown through 28 games last year, more than Jacob deGrom has thrown combined in the past two seasons. And he damn near won the Triple Crown. And he's going to be in a relatively friendly environment for him in New York. 
I still think he's got a lot to him. This is a guy who says he wants to pitch till he's like 45. I still think he's got that ace factor in him. For whatever reason, I I think he is my top pitcher. Now, I probably would go Sandy at two, but I don't know. Only because I don't think he'll reach that eight war season again. I don't, I feel like he's going to have to fall off a little bit. And then I would probably put either Burns or DeGrom. That would probably how I shape out the uh, pitchers. I like the argument for Verlander, especially, you know, he, more than anybody in baseball right now, has that Nolan Ryan quality of he could probably just pitch forever, you know, barring any injuries. Came off a Tommy John and fired off the best ERA of his career. It's hard to scoff at that. I don't know. I guess it's the new, again, it's the new, what, what did I just call it? It was literally in this episode, like the new stage syndrome. That's it. I guess that worries me a little bit, but also he came to Houston absolutely shoved. We'll hammer out pitchers like exactly where we'll put them in the rankings in a bit, but I could see that. My thing is maybe like if we put Verlander up, I would say bare minimum we put DeGrom at three for the pitchers. I would put him over okay. Corbin Burns for sure. I, I love Corbin yeah. Burns, but I can agree with that. It's DeGrom. Like, I, I would even argue for maybe put DeGrom at two then over Sandy because like I, I'm with you that Sandy's probably going to regress. And don't get me wrong, he's still going to be a workhorse and pitch over 200 innings, but mm-hmm. I don't think he does what he did last year. Last year seemed like a very lightning-in-a-bottle season, so he'll probably yeah. bleh, probably be towards the bottom or the mid, uh, like middle part of 20, 10 through 20, so we'll see for me. Gotcha. Now let's actually start ranking these hitters because we do have some that we have to go through before we actually get to putting a pitcher on. Some names... Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Julio Rodriguez. We've also got the likes of Jordan Alvarez, Trey Turner, Nolan Arenado, Jay Ram, and Harper. We have others at the top, but I think we can all agree that they'll actually be top 10, so I'm not even going to mention them yet. I'm trying to think which of these hitters, because I'm not putting Burns at 20. I feel like Burns is better than some of these lower hitters. I mean, we also have to consider Harper's going to miss a couple months of the season because of surgery we have. That's right, I forgot I, about that. I literally just remembered that, so I guess we're going to put Harper a little lower on this list then. I guess we would have to, just because of the months that he'll miss. Yeah, do you? Do we just honestly want to put him at 20 so that way we don't have to think about him anymore? Like that guilty okay conscience that. type like, thing? <laughs> if Harper was healthy, he would probably be like close to the top 10 for me, maybe even in it. I love Harper's, like, I love Harper's game. But I would put him in the top the fact 10 that he's probably he going to healthy. I agree. And the fact that he's out till the All-Star break, though, honestly, I think that's more a compliment to Harper than anything. The man's going to miss almost half the season, and he still cracks my top 20. I think he's that good. Yeah. Now, so. the next guys I would go with are probably Acuna, Goldie, or Julio, to be honest. Or maybe Trey Turner. I want to put Turner towards the top, like somewhere between 11 and 15, okay. if only because of he's got the same appeal to me as Kyle Tucker. I do agree with you with the three you mentioned, though. I think Acuna didn't show us enough last year. I think Goldie's bound to regress. And Julio, as much as I love him, he's going to be the face of the franchise for the Mariners. Kind of the same argument as Adley, but he does have the sample size of a complete season. You know, I'm okay I think with those we do. Three. I think we What's put that? them in that exact order. Ronald, 19, Goldie, then Julio. We go those I was three, honestly going to w- suggest that maybe switch Acuna and Goldie because Acuna, I think, has more upside for next season. But honestly, his power, like that's what scared me about Acuna last year. He had surgery on his shoulder and his power looked sapped from him last year. Maybe he makes an adjustment and goes back to his 40-40 potential. 
But based on what he showed us last year, I'm a little worried. That's all I'll say. I hope he proves me wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with putting Acuna at 19. I'm going to put Acuna at the lowest because, honestly, I've never really seen Paul Goldschmidt deteriorate yet. He had his arguably his best season ever at age like 34 or 35, and I don't know if he has a sign of slowing down necessarily. And then Julio, I think he just needs to develop a little bit more, but he could honestly crack the top 10 next season, I feel like. If we were to do this yeah. list then, depending on what type of season if he has. If he has like a 30 for 30, a thir- 30 for 30, yeah, great. We're shooting a documentary. <laughs> if, he, if he has a 30-30 season, hits like over 280 and has like a OBP over 350 and all this other shit, yeah, he's a top 10 player. Completely agree. Especially yeah. coming off of the season where he was already fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, Tom, I'm just going to go ahead and type in a name here. Let me know if you disagree. I was literally going to say Corbin Burns. I completely agree. <laughs> Perfect. So we got Corbin Burns at 16. It just seemed like a good spot to put a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So now when we bring up the pitchers next, it's gonna, we're going to have to decide what to do with Sandy and uh, DeGrom. I almost called him J-Rod. Don't listen to me. <laughs> well, um, how about how about this? We work from the top and start our way down. We don't necessarily have to come up with a 1-2-3 right now, but how about we solidify a top 10? And then we can say, and then, then debate on the rest of those guys. Okay, because some be of these guys... Point. Some of these guys are going to be stupid easy to predict and stupid easy just to say, yeah, this is probably the best player in baseball for next year. Like, yeah. I could I could straight up tell you my top three now. Yeah, and I, if it's the top three you have there, I might swap out one or two names. But yeah, in the non-negotiable territory, I agree they're top 10 <laughs> players, which are, I'm just going to say it in a random order, other than the one we wrote down just for the hell of it. Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, and Manny Machado. That's one, two, three, four, five, six names right there. Um, I think that's our top, like, somewhere in there is our top five. We just have to discern an order. Yeah, and I think at least one pitcher cracks the top ten. I think one. Just one. I'm okay with that. I mean, especially, honestly, you kind of sold me on your argument for Verlander. I was going to say DeGrom, but at the end of the day, Verlander, like, if Verlander put out such a great season last year, it's kind of stupid to be so bearish on him. He's... I'll be bearish on Verlander when he shows me he's slowing down. He didn't show me any of that last season, so I'll still be bullish for him. Fair enough. And now I actually have, yeah, I have a number I just want to point out for Verlander in my head where I think he can be, and I want to see if we eventually get to that number. But I'm not going to reveal that number yet because we still have three more. Yeah, we still have three more names to add to the top 10 if we're going to, say, put Verlander in the top 10. Call me crazy if you want. Actually, I don't even think this is this crazy. Uh, I want Jose Ramirez in the top 10. I can agree with that. And then I want Jordan Alvarez in the top 10. That's okay. He's going to play a lot of left field next year. He's going to have, he's going to prove some folks wrong, I think. Mm-hmm. So now the question remains. <sighs> we need one more. Nolan Arenado or Trey Turner, I think are the only two left that we have. I think, hmm. This is tough because I feel like people sleep. This is going to sound weird for someone who just finished third in MVP voting. I feel like people sleep on Arenado's, at least going into last year, they slept on Nolan's hitting a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's gonna... I love Nolan's defense, obviously, but Turner's got that five-tool prowess. Say what you want to say. I'm done interrupting you. I was just going to say the exact same argument. It's that, are you going to value the actual war of a player? Because if that's the case in Arenado in a landslide, or are you going to actually judge it on the complete package 
of a player. And that's where it gets difficult to do these rankings. This is not easy. There's a reason we've been doing this for probably damn near an hour at this rate. It's just <laughs> taken a while. We we haven't even we haven't even written the top 15 yet. We're just narrowing down, like trying to get a top 10 before well, we even work backwards. Well, the good thing with this is it sounds like the way we're talking about Turner and Arenado, one's going to be 10, one's going to be 11. That's probably fair. And to be honest, if I had a gut decision, I love Nolan Arenado, but I would probably put Trey Turner ahead of him. If I were to start a franchise with one of those players, I would choose the toolsy guy over the anchor at third. I love Nolan. He's on a Hall of Fame trajectory right now, but one's over 30 and one isn't. So, mm. I don't know. Oh, and one also steals bases. Oh, yeah, so, that also happens too. What that'll be... You? That'll be my argument. All right, so we have a top 10. Well, not in that specific order, but we have those 10. So we only need to fill out five more guys. And those five guys are going to be Freeman. Uh, who am I missing? Freeman. Freeman, Arenado, Alcantara, DeGrom. Who am I missing? Am I missing a name? Am I stupid? Did we miss someone? <laughs> did we miss? Did, yeah, did, did we like f*** this up? <laughs> did we f*** up? <laughs> could you imagine? Hey, then we can One, put two, Kyle three, Tucker at 24. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 8, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 3. <laughs> I think we messed up. <laughs> I think how we did we forgot. mess up a top 20? What? <laughs> we don't know how to count. 1, 2, hold on. Uh, one, two, oh, wait, 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 wait. I didn't, I didn't count Freed. I think, five, six, seven, eight, I think nine, we stopped the 24. Nine, 13, Who are we missing then in this discussion? Wait, no, 23. Do we have... Wait, do we really only have 23? Do we just both have the biggest math f*** up like in the show's history? <laughs> we f***ed up basic edition? Are you kidding me? Wait, how? You know, I make fun of my communications major, but now I feel a lot more... I think the stress just went off my shoulders knowing that you just screwed up just as much as I did. <laughs> Well, hey, now we could take one more guy and put him at 24. <laughs> God damn it. So we have Burns, Alcantara. I just want to make sure. Uh, Burns, Alcantara, DeGrom. Those are the three pitchers. No, we already wrote down yeah. Burns. No, we, we have, have Burns. Alcantara, yeah, Alcantara DeGrom, and Verlander. Verlander. Those are three, but Verlander's in the top 10. So we have those two, Freeman, Arenado. And that's it. Yeah, we, we missed one. Miss somebody. Well, no, turn. Oh, wait, piss. Sorry. No, I'm stupid. Disregard that. Yeah, no, I, I straight up think we have to add one. Oh, my. How did we f*** this up? I'm I'm counting again. We are. One, two, three. <laughs> Do it one more time because no, we're running here's out of time. Here's the problem where I did my math. I counted Lindor. That's where we f***ed up, I think. I counted oh, Lindor we because we didn't him cross him off. Oh, That's where we f***ed up because we didn't do the social hey, graphic. By that logic... Should yeah, we, we can just put, put yes, we can put Kyle. Yes, we can put Kyle Tucker, Tucker on if you want to. Yes, I was gonna say either Tucker or Lindor. I think would just make the most sense. Kyle Tucker, because now I have a personal grievance against Francisco Lindor. <laughs> that means we have to rewrite the list. God f damn it! Hang on, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do just... it. I, I I got it. No, I I got well, it. Okay, so everybody, we said move them up a slot. <laughs> God, how do we okay. f*** that up? Like, it's basic math. <laughs> I'm kind of impressed, but I'm also 
really disturbed. <laughs> oh boy, I really need God to go to bed. It. So now this, so now our lives just became a little bit easier. So now we have Alcantara, Degrom, Arenado, and Freeman, and I think oh, I know wait, who's going to be. Wait, what did I just do? You just f***ed up. You didn't put a number fourteen. No, thank no. you. No, 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 no. We're good. Yeah, now now we can't <laughs> even do basic math, and we're counting down. That's great. I'm putting Freddie Freeman here. <laughs> I think I've think. I think I've well, got who are the... I think I've gotten I think I've gotten order. Just bear with me, Sandy. Then oh, it was we... that was the one I was missing. Okay, I'm okay with Freeman there then. And we've got Degrom, then, then Degrom, and then Arenado. Nolan. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. I'm alright with this. Perfect. So 14 right. Fre- Freeman, 13 Alcantara, 12 Degrom, 11 Arenado. I swear we'll actually reveal our full 24, so that way you don't you aren't <laughs> left in the dirt because we completely. F- up the math literally an hour and two minutes into this segment so now we've got the top 10 yippee Hooray. now we get to disseminate from here so right off the rip i'll just say i feel like turner should be lower since he was one of the ones we were kind of wishy-washy about i might even be okay with putting him at 10 go for it cool number nine i'm thinking I'm thinking either Verlander or Verlander, Alvarez, and Ramirez. I feel like those have got to be the next three in some order. See, call me quite crazy. Call me crazy. crazy. But I feel like I want to go Verlander than Soto. Just because of. Just be. I. Yeah. Verlander at nine, which I was thinking nine or eight for Verlander originally. And I feel like Soto because his batting average tanked last year. Like, he went from being a 300 hitter to 242. That was his final batting average. Like, he still drew a lot of walks. He saw over 400 batting average, but his, or OBP, I should say, but his batting average tanked. And don't give me any bullshit about his defensive metrics. No, he did not deserve a Gold Glove (laughs) finalist last year. (laughs) I'm with you on that. You know what? It's honestly going to be his defense that brings him down for me. I'm... 100%, 100%, like, he was not going to be top five for me. I love Soto's potential. Mm-hmm. If he gets into that, like, especially he'll probably have a season like Lindor had in his second season in Queens, just because he's used to the metrics at Petco Park now, but I'm okay. You know what? Honestly, I'm okay with that. My only thing is Jordan. I was going to put Jordan at eight and uh, Soto at seven, if only because Jordan has not shown me enough in the field. But then I remember Soto did that, had, like, was in the first percentile in the field last year, and it made me feel a little better uh, about <laughs> yeah, that. Also, Plus, Jordan your, hit, like, David Ortiz last year. Jordan had... Oh, for fuck's sake, can baseball reference, like, actually work, please? So that way I can make my <laughs> goddamn point so we can <laughs> get through this goddamn list. No, that's not how you spell Jordan. That's not how you spell it either. <laughs> Good job. Shut up. No. <sighs> It's still not loading after all that. I put in the name right, and it's still not loading, Tony. Jordan, as I was going to say, significantly better year than Juan Soto, in my opinion. Oh, well, that goes without saying. That's, that's all I want to say. It's just a matter of, I think, Soto's ceiling the, is the, the next yeah. Ted Williams, and Jordan's ceiling is the next David Ortiz. Hmm. I, I would argue that he can also be on a Ted Williams trajectory. Really? Jordan Alvarez? Yes. If he can keep his OBP hovering around 400 like Soto, granted he strikes out more and doesn't have as many walks, so I get why you're saying Soto, Ted Williams, and I agree with that. I think they could be on a similar path. Because to me, they're just about even defensively, and I would give the slight edge to Jordan Alvarez. After last year, I'm willing to agree with you on that, just because 
I, I don't see any reason Jordan will get worse next year. If anything, since he'll probably be playing left, he'll get better. But I'm, I think I'm still a little foolishly high on Juan Soto. I think he's going to do great things next year. I really do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so right now. Soto, uh, yep, I was literally about to say J.R. Ram would probably be next. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. I would so, argue, yeah. just super quick about J.R. Ram, I would argue he's the best third baseman in baseball by tools alone. I mean, he plays great defense, hits like a maniac, and can steal bases. Manny Machado can only do two of those things. Big reason I'm high on Machado, and I'll explain that in just a minute, he's going to be in a contract year, basically. I anticipate him to opt out. And if he's playing for more money, I'm not going to say he'll do what Aaron Judge did, but I feel like he's going to carry the team on his back for the third year in a row. That's a very good point. Now, so, that being said, I will now, petition to start is, the top five with Manny Machado. I can agree with that. Just because the outfield gives you a little bit more range. Maybe I'm favor favoriting outfielders after I said down with outfielders literally like 45 minutes ago, but <laughs> I think I have to agree. So now we have Otani, Judge, Trout, Betts. How are we going to rank these guys? Because these players all hold a special place in our hearts for various reasons or another. Now, I think I already know who we're going to put at number one, but for the sake of dramatic effect, I'm not going to reveal that. Yeah. I'll say for my number four, I want to say, I almost want to say Judge at four, just because of what Mookie can do. But Judge pushed his, like, honestly, Judge's last year was so incredible that I think he pushed his ceiling closer to Mookie than we think. Like, Judge's peak is, like, I don't want to say better than Mookie's peak because Mookie obviously has had the better career so far. He's had the longer career. But Judge's 2022 is better than any season Mookie Betts has ever put up. That's what I'm trying to say. And that alone, especially we're talking about one year later, even though Mookie Betts had a great season last year, he had a damn near MVP caliber season. He, he set his career high in home runs. I think RBIs too, or runs. Like Mookie Betts is a great player. They're both amazing outfielders. Judge spent so much of his time this year in center field. This is this is honestly closer than I thought because I'm looking at Mookie's numbers now and they're not as bad as I thought they'd be. I didn't think they'd be bad, but I thought they'd be like night and day compared to Judge, you know? See, I feel like we're not too criminally offensive how we're going to rank these guys. My thought is this. By skill alone, I think Trout can easily top those three guys. However, we've factored health into this equation, and Trout has not been the most reliable fish in the pond, to say the least, over the past few years. Granted, he only played 119 games last year, but he still put up the same exact war pretty much as Mookie Betts. Plus, he put up, in my opinion, better offensive numbers minus runs and maybe doubles. And Then you have Aaron Judge, who just won the MVP. He had the best season I've ever seen by a non-steroid athlete, quite possibly. Maybe outside of Albert Pujols and maybe somebody else who comes to mind if I were to really think about it. And then there's Mookie Betts, where his offensive numbers sometimes look worse in comparison to both of them, just because he doesn't get on base, I feel, as much, according to his OBP, compared to Judge and Trout. So this is where I don't think it's too criminally offensive. In my mind, I would go Mookie, Trout, Judge. You're putting Judge at two, wow. That was my honest opinion. 
just because now I'm comparing Trout and Judge. Because I was comparing Mookie and Trout, but I know I'd rather have Trout than Mookie, I feel like. Even though Mookie is the complete package, and we've been using that as the argument, he's arguably a better package than either Trout or Judge. Now, when I'm comparing apples to oranges, you're getting pretty much the same exact player, but I think Judge has the better tools at this rate, and he's been healthier. And I'm not even, com- I'm not even saying his MVP season, like, even if it was just a lesser season, even if he didn't win the MVP last year, even if it was only 40 home runs, I think my argument would remain the same. That's ballsy. Now, I'll just come out and say straight away, I was thinking Mookie for 4-2, so I just went ahead and wrote that down. Like, okay. I love Mookie. He's, again, on a future Hall of Famer trajectory right now. But I think compared to the other two, like, Trout literally hit 40 home runs in 100 games. That's ridiculous. And, and he did that while basically not at 100% health, which is even more amazing. The thing with Trout that gets me, Tom, I agree with you that the injuries are going to hold him back a little bit. I, hmm. You know what might sink Judge, not Judge, sorry, Trout for me, is the fact that he doesn't really defend anymore. Mike Trout used to be like the prototypical, like, oh my god, he's a great five-tool player, he's the best player in the game, and he could do anything. Like, Mike Trout hasn't stolen bases consistently since 2016, he's not even been an above-average defender for the past couple seasons, like, it's his back that's been aching him for the past two seasons. I don't know if it's his legs that are hindering him from being effective in the outfield but I think it was just last year where he had where he was a negative defender I think he had negative one defensive run saved so much fun as it is to watch Trout highlights in the outfield the underlying numbers tell a much darker story and Judge showed us from what he did last year that he's the complete package and trust me we're talking about injury history and Aaron Judge we've not even talked about judges but at this point I'm almost willing to put it behind us the last time Judge missed significant time was what 2019 I don't even know about 2020. Frankly, 2020 seems like a fever dream to me, but 2021, he was a consistent contributor. 2022, what else can we say? Yeah, I've I've got the numbers. So 2019, he played 102 games. 2020, he played 28. Again, I'm not really going to consider that season so much, but even then, that was less than half the season. 2021, 148 games. 2022, 157 games. And... You could slot him around in the outfield no matter where you go. And he could put up numbers that emulate Mike Trout, if not succeed him. Plus, he can also steal some bases. Or at least more than Mike Trout will definitely steal at this rate in his career. It's apples and oranges, like I said, dude. Like, I don't think we're, like... And I'm not even showing, trying to show any bias here. I'm literally trying to judge the player on their package right now. That sounded terrible, out of context. But (laughs) you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can make a joke with that, but I don't want it to be up there with your Golden Gate Bridge joke, which I forgot to bring up in the Correa discussion. But you know what? We can just leave it there. I'll let everyone's imaginations run because I'll just say this. Whatever your imagination conjures, it's not as bad as what Tom said last night. But either way, I did. I did add two warnings and you said you still wanted to see it. So that was your doing. (laughs) It was my doing for being curious. You're the one that actually said it. <laughs> if you said, "Oh man, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off this building," and I'm like, "No, you're not," and you're like, "Yeah, I am," and I'm like, "All right, do it," and you do it. That's not my fault. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not talking about jumping off a building. We're talking about a check, a check, a text, and a group chat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of ethical arguments, oh, let's actually settle who's better right now, Mike Trout or Aaron Judge. I Honestly, the more I think about it, the more privy I am to Judge, considering last year was such an outburst of quality that I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't think I'm being, I don't think I'm being biased or, uh, let's say, unreasonable for saying that Judge last season set the bar so high that it's, I don't think it's outlandish to think that if he comes near that again, he's a top three player in baseball. And I'm only putting him over Trout because Trout hasn't played anywhere near 162 games since before COVID. So, I don't know. I love Trout. I honestly wanted to put Trout at two just because of what he can do if he's healthy. And even then, Judge, he gives me, like, the same vibes Alcantara did, where it's, you know, the lightning in a bottle season. He's not hitting 60 home runs again. But again, even if he hits 45 and drives in 100 runs versus 62 and 130, he's still going to be one of the best hitters in baseball, plus a plus outfielder, plus a plus outfielder, and Jesus. an adept base runner for a guy of his side, uh, size and position. So you know what? I'll, I'll give you that. Trout at three. We'll put Judge at two. And if it, if it wasn't plainly obvious already, number one, our favorite player going into baseball next season is Ben Verlander's husband. Shohei Otani, if you couldn't, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Laugh track. <laughs> Tom <laughs> literally wrote, I clicked away and I clicked back and also all I saw was Ben Verlander's favorite player. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even see favorite player first. I just saw Ben Verlander. I'm like, wait, <laughs> Ben Verlander's our favorite player for 2023. <laughs> Yeah, Justin, it's all Ben. That that's how we're feeling this year. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do I you even I, explain why Shohei's number one? Yeah, he can pitch and hit. Yeah, we get it. Except he does it at an extremely elite level <laughs> on both sides. If Aaron Judge didn't put up sixty home runs this year and the other ungodly numbers, yeah, he would have been a unanimous MVP. Case closed. That's it. That's all we need to say. Yeah. If you want to hear more about how Shohei Otani is the greatest human being to ever walk on the earth, please go follow. Ben Verlander on Twitter. I almost said Jeff Passan, but that's that's incorrect. If you want to see an amazing burn about Ben Verlander's obsession with Shohei Otani, <laughs> go look up Jeff Passan's tweet. I think he deleted it, but there's probably screenshots. It's fantastic. Oh, don't God. don't worry, don't worry. There's screenshots. He did delete it, but there, oh, it it most certainly exists. <laughs> God damn. Well, after over an hour of deliberation, that is most likely going to come down. <laughs> that is our top 24 players for the 2023 season. Going from the bottom, number 24 is my favorite player, Kyle Tucker. Not really, but I got him in here. Very happy. 23, Max Freed. 22, JT Romuto. Number 21, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Number 20, Max Scherzer. 19, Bryce Harper. 18 is Ronald Acuna Jr. Number 17 is Paul Goldschmidt. 16 is Julio Rodriguez. 15, Corbin Burns. 14, Freddie Freeman. 13, Sandy Alcantara. 12, Jacob deGrom. Rounding out the rest of the uh, whole shebang is number 11, Nolan Arenado. Number 10 is Trey Turner. Number 9, Justin Verlander. Number 8, Juan Soto. 7, Jordan Alvarez. 6, J-Ram, a.k.a. Jose Ramirez. 5, Manny Machado. 4, Mookie Betts. 3, Mike Trout. 2, Aaron Judge. Number 1, Shohei Otani. I just hit my microphone. Damn it. Those are our <laughs> top 24 players in all of baseball right now. Again, after much deliberation, as Tony mentioned at the beginning of the segment, all of this is complete and utter facts. There is no other opinions <laughs> that are going to be better than ours combined. Our combined intellect might not have been able to count to 24 properly, 
but damn sure we made the correct baseball list so you should trust us there <laughs> that gets us enough credibility alone we can't even count up or down from 24 god damn it that is beautiful thank you american uh, education system but um so that's that that's our top 24 we'll probably throw a social graphic together so that way you can rip us to shreds and be like jacob Degrom is the best pitcher in baseball and i'll be like no it's he's not just calm calm yourself or Bryce Harper deserves to be in the top 10. I'll be like, yeah, well, tell his arm to get better or to get a new arm. <laughs> like, you know how cars for kids, like, they'll give, like, cars and you'll give you a tax break? What? Yeah, maybe they have, like, I don't know where I'm going with that. That was going to be, I I had an idea in my mind, like, <laughs> I arms did not expect for, you to go like, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. That was not going to be good no matter what end I was going to go for. Jesus Christ. I can't wait to be editing this and hear that again because I of all the places you could go, I did not think Cars for Kids would be your first. One eight seven seven arms for kids. K A R no. A R M S arms from kids. One eight seven seven arms from kids. Give it to Bryce Harper today. Da da da. Wait, did you say arms from kids? Yes. I changed it up. Okay, that's morbid. I'm a- Alright, that's morbid. I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> Good. If you can uh, do me a favor and throw the, uh, the Yeah, if you if you wanna do me a favor and edit in the Cars for Kids jingle under that, I would be very appreciative. <laughs> what if I just get the instrumental? That oh yeah, that's fine. That's what I was looking for. I was gonna say I hope you know my search history is going to show Cars for Kids karaoke, and I'm not going to be happy about that now, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, well, listen, the station you I one of the stations I work for, we play Cars for Kids like every hour, so guess what? I've had to listen to it many times. You can listen to it a few. You know what? I'm so sorry to hear that. You know what? Now, now I feel bad for you, but at the same time, I feel bad for myself. You know what? I, I'm still, I'm sorry, I'm like befuddled now because I'm thinking of Bryce Harper going up to the plate with one normal-sized arm <laughs> and one child-sized arm that can't reach the bat. So he he's has like to like a hold the bat closer. <laughs> no, exactly. He's like a half T-Rex. He's going to have to hold his bat. Like, what is, I think it's his left arm that's screwed up. So he has to hold the bat like almost behind his body just to get a grip on it. I, I also like how you're saying you're the one I also like how you said you feel bad for yourself when I'm literally the one who said arms from kids and came up with a jingle for it. So I don't I don't know why you're feeling bad for yourself when I clearly just washed away any and all credibility that I have. <laughs> yeah, by saying that Kyle Tucker doesn't belong in the top 24, that's where you lost your credibility, my friend. Well, to be fair, he doesn't belong in the top oh 23, so get your facts straight. <laughs> well, you were arguing, eh, whatever, we can go forever about this. Uh Oh my god. god, but yeah, hope you enjoyed our list, hope, because we're gonna enjoy you flaming us in the comments. That'll pretty much do it for this episode, but before we close it out, Tom, you brought this up before the episode started, and I am very much on board with you ending, with us rather, ending the episode like this, because as sucky as it's gonna be to end the episode on kind of a sour note, we do want to pay tribute to someone who has impacted both of our lives in a very monumental way, and it's with a heavy heart that we have to come to terms with the fact that Bruce Avery, the gentleman who was the general manager of WRHU, Radio Hofstra University, the radio of our alma mater, the general, the former general manager from when Tom and I attended, local weatherman for News 12, and so, so much more, such an influential figure in so many people's lives, has unfortunately passed away. Tom and I both knew Bruce 
pretty well. Again, we were both at WRHU for an extended period of time. We both got the chance to work with him, know him, learn under him especially, got to hear his talks at every single All-Staff. Still remember betting whether or not he'd go over or under. He always hit the over. Um, just that was an easy bet to make. <laughs> no, honestly. <laughs> no, the guy uh. was much fun as we had at the station. It was all because of Bruce. You know, I, like, just mm. speaking personally, I didn't interact with Bruce as much as a lot of people did. This is just due to the fact that I was never on any sort of executive board position. I was a late bloomer at the station. I didn't even become a full-time contributor until I was a junior. But even then, I still saw the impact Bruce had, not just on the students who were there, but the alumni who he helped mentor, helped foster into their careers in communications. And knowing that he's been doing that, or rather he was doing that for decades, is nothing short of admirable. And I have nothing but respect for Bruce Avery. And it's so sad to hear that he's passed on. So soon after his retirement from WRHU, too, he stepped mm-hmm. down just a few short months ago. Yeah, it's sad. I believe he ultimately succumbed to prostate cancer. I believe it was, which sucks. I didn't even know he was sick until I saw the news that was posted literally on Facebook earlier this morning when I was going into work. But ultimately, then I looked at my situation and I'm like, well, Bruce passed on, but that legacy is still there because I realized I'm going in to work at a radio station today without Bruce, without him saying yes to Tom Barrow at some point. Again, like Tony, I didn't really know him too, too well, as opposed to I just didn't really interact with him on a personal level so, so much. But ultimately, without his leadership and guidance and everything he's done for RHU, I wouldn't have gone to work this morning. Or if I would have, it would have been in a completely different capacity. I wouldn't be in radio like I was right now. Hell, Tony and I may have never even met if it wasn't for Bruce and everything he's done for RHU. He certainly put that on a national scale. Without him, we wouldn't have won all the Marconis, but it's not all about the awards. It's about the guidance, the mentorship, kind of getting to live out your dreams, almost as if you were a kid in like a candy store of things you get to do while you're on a college campus. And Bruce, along with countless others, but without Bruce and everything he's done, none of that would have been possible. He always said he loved, or his famous quote, I think Tony was like, he always wanted to sleep at night. Like he wanted to sleep nights um, (laughs) because of all the ruckus, I guess we would cause. But um, yeah, and I'm hoping he got to sleep at least a few good nights in retirement, because again, he's been in retirement, was, I should say, in retirement for about six months or so before today, January 15th, when we learned that Bruce Avery was no longer with us. So for everything Bruce has done, may he rest more nights in heaven, and he's going to be widely missed by every single person that's even gotten to know him for five minutes. He's that inspirational and monumental as a person. It's... An incredibly tough loss, but so has it with life sometimes. You have to say goodbye to the things that you love most or the people you looked up to. And Bruce is certainly one of that one of those people for Tony and I. So Bruce, rest easy. I couldn't have said it better myself. I will go do another spiel. I'll just say I wish I got a, I wish I could have told Bruce thank you myself for everything. I'd like to dedicate this episode and well, pretty much the work that every alumni who every alum who's come out of WRHU is dedicated to 
Bruce Avery. A man who's touched so many individuals' lives that couldn't even begin to count. Rest in peace, Bruce Avery. He's at peace now. Could not have been happier for the impact he's had on all of our lives. So thank you again, Bruce, for everything. And as somber as a note that it was, we thank you again for tuning in. Because like Tom said, had it not paid for Bruce Avery, we would have never met. This podcast never would have been a thing. I wouldn't have even gotten into radio. I literally got in on a whim, and then Bruce took a chance on some gindaloon who wasn't even a comm student, so I I literally have to thank Bruce for changing the trajectory of my life in that way, so I really, I, I owe a lot to him, so I'll just, I'll leave that there before I start rambling again. Thank you all again so, so much for listening to episode 53 of the Diamond Duo podcast. Again, please be sure to go follow us on our socials at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter. The Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram. Be on the lookout for that top 24. The Diamond's Double Dozen that's coming at you. And uh, take it easy, guys. We will see you in the next episode. Thank you all so much again.